Late Night Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic Swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And I actually have to say at the start of this episode that Zach and I are not going to be able to record today because we have to go see the loveliest bride. Zach, we have to go see the most loveliest bride. Zach, are you excited to go see the most loveliest bride? Is this the part where uh, I drive the car like into a tree and my head comes out like as you're crawling across the pavement? Yeah, you're definitely the the husband in this scenario. I'm the I'm the woman who screams that I've been excited to see the, the most loveliest bride for my whole life, and you respond with, "You've only known about it since last week." <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so while Zach and I guess we can record some while we're on our way to see the most loveliest bride. But this week on Cinemodities, we are still deep now, deep into our sketch comedy fort month. And we have finished up uh, Wonder Chosen from last week. After we got through the philosophy of that, we are jumping ahead a little bit to the 2007 to 2011 show, Whitest Kids You Know, which coincidentally was one of the names we thought of for this podcast before we started. But since it was taken already, we couldn't use, uh, we couldn't put on display how white Zach and our, uh, I are until we got to Chappelle's show episode. So it's all coming together in this sketch comedy fort month, Zach. <laughs> So, whitest kids you know. I think we are delving, at least uh, relatively, from last week's topic of Wonder Chosen, into something that uh, people are more familiar with. And I think that's where I want to start, Zach. I know in my circles that the whitest kids you know are well-known, maybe not for their entire sketch comedy show, maybe for one specific sketch that we're going to be discussing. Um, But would you agree that this is something that is... Not topical now, but, you know, it has some uh, staying power in the culture. What do you think about that, Zach? Do people still know about WKUK? Uh, Rob, I do not know what people think of Wukuk. Wukuk, okay. Wukuk, or as Rob was saying before, Wukuk. No, the white kids, you know, I don't know if they have any staying power. I really don't, because, like, I know, like, I guess they're in the same, they're like a less... uh, This is not the best way to describe this. A less popular form of Portlandia... Is that where like they're kind of like Portlandia is like like the oh god hipster like yes, what yes. like TV show that people glommed onto and I'd say this is kind of like a predecessor to that not exactly but maybe like it paved the road for Portlandia hmm, that's interesting okay because this was kind of like an IFC darling that's how I look at this yes and that's kind of my best way of describing it because other than just the general category of sketch comedy. I wouldn't really know where to put this because this this is kind of, well, barring Wonder Shows in, this <laughs> is very much kind of like its own thing away from like the Amanda Show or Mr. Show and Chappelle Show. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, of course, barring Wonder Shows in, which we've already discussed, almost it is in its own category of sketch comedy or just comedy or just media. The Whitest Kids You Know, I've always kind of been amazed when I watch it um, that I get a sense of kind of... Uh, once again, maybe not the best way to put it, but some type of like weird niche avant-garde type of structure and and style that they that they play out in their sketches. And 
I think that, you know, like I said, a lot of people know it for specific sketches, maybe not the whole thing. So the staying power is interesting. And of course, you know, basically, if you know the whitest kids, you know, you know, their television show, you know, Miss March. And then that's about it. (laughs) Rob, nobody knows about Miss March. Really? Nobody knows about that? Nobody knows about Miss March. How can they be unaware? How can they be unaware of horsedick.mpeg, though, Zach? I don't know. Maybe the firemen got to them when they were backing their truck up. <laughs> okay, okay. So why does kids you know, even though people might know not might not know about it too much, I think where I want to start is my history with it, because that plays into this one sketch I've been mentioning. Um, why does kids you know, relative to all of sketch comedy that I have collected and watched, it's a little more recent. Um, I remember hearing about the why does kids you know Back in 11th grade, I think, when Zach and I were in 11th grade, I remember for some reason we were doing like some group project in our English class. Zach was not a part of this. It was so one of the classes Zach and Rob did not have together in 11th that, grade. That, that was 10th grade. That was 10th grade. I wasn't there. Yeah, I, oh, I know that's right. That's right. It was 10th grade. Yes, 10th 11th grade. grade English we did have together with Mrs. Soy. How could I forget? Um, so, uh, well, high school also just blends together for me quite a bit. So, <laughs> but anyway, 10th grade. Yes, that's correct. I remember hearing people repeat ad nauseum the phrase, now you fucked up. Now you fucked up. Now you fucked up. And I think I asked a few people where it was from and they were just like, why does kids, you know, it's a show on IFC. And I was like, I don't think I get that channel. And I just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Fast forward a few years later, I go to my freshman year undergrad. And I think the nicest way to put this is in the dorms that I lived in in my freshman year, one of the guys on my floor was on the spectrum. Uh, And on the spectrum, in probably the same way Zach described how he knew someone who glommed onto a lot of the Amanda Show quotes and would just go around repeating them all the time, I cannot express to you, Zach, or our audience how much pure autismal energy went from this one kid repeating the phrase, now you fucked up. Like, I am not kidding you. You would hear it. It would be like 5 a.m. And you'd be like, you know, just waking up in your dorm room, like locked door. And you would hear someone running around in the hallways screaming, now you fucked up. Now you fucked up. And people yelling at him to shut up because he said it so much. Like, I'm not kidding. I wish I could have gotten someone to corroborate the story. You know, like my freshman year roommate or some of my buddies from that dorm room. But this kid... Probably 80% of the words that were said during his freshman year in undergrad was the phrase, now you fucked up. And that's really my history with Whitest Kids You Know, because for years, the only thing people ever talked about it, or in regard to it, was the Abraham Lincoln sketch. And I think, just because I had heard it so many times, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. It's like, I think I've told Zach before, there's some bands that I love, but they have certain songs that get so much radio play and so much streaming play that I grow to hate them eventually. Like uh, Time to Pretend by MGMT, the mo- the song that's at the beginning of the movie 21. Like that just got so much airplay. I just wanted to vomit when I hear it. Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People. Foster the People is a great band. They're a great group of artists. But when that song came out in what, 2009 or so, you could not turn on any radio station and not hear that song. So this same thing happened to me with Whitest Kids You Know. Like, people just repeated so much of the same sketch over and over, I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. Eventually, I think it was uh, 2014, I'm living in Ohio, 
and I see that the fifth season of Whitest Kids You Know is on Netflix, and it had been so long since I'd heard anything about them that I was like, okay, I'll give this a chance. I'll watch, you know, these 10 episodes they have on Netflix, or I'll start to watch it or whatever, and the rest is history. It was sketch comedy. It was great sketch comedy. I found the prior four seasons, because there's only five seasons total, and I just eventually fell in love with The Whitest Kids You Know, and it has become one of my go-to sketch comedy shows. I have to say I still hate the Abraham Lincoln sketch for all the reasons I've already mentioned, and I was really hoping we could avoid discussing it in this recording, but as I'm about to turn it over to Zach, this was one sketch he told me he wanted to discuss. (laughs) So, Zach, I know you've been itching, but what's your context with The Whitest Kids You Know? And the Abraham Lincoln sketch. (laughs) We'll get to that in due time. But no, my background with this, I think, overlaps with yours in that even though Rob and I were not in the same English class sophomore year, Sal was. Considering that Sal was the greatest example of someone who was a bandwagon person, that just as soon as there was a bandwagon, he couldn't hop on it fast enough. And I think he was the one to introduce me to, again, you go, now you effed up. Now you effed up. You go, he's breaking my butt. Don't break my butt. Mm-hmm. Don't break my butt. And the Hitler rap, or I guess what, Triumph of the Ill. And that yeah. was, and I remember Sal showed me a few clips because they were on, this was back like when YouTube still was kind of like the Wild Wild West where things that were like firmly copyright were up, were on there. And it really was, oh, you could, this, this was still back in those days. Sure. I, remember he, like, I remember him showing me a couple of clips and like, I didn't find any of it funny. And the only two things I did find amusing were the Hitler rap and the Abraham Lincoln one. And yeah. And I remember I did not find it at, I really didn't find him funny at all. I remember this was kind of like a few months after like, I really got into like Monty Python mm-hmm. and I remember, I remember getting into Monty Python, like this end of the summer of 2007, right before I, I kind of got to know who Rob was. And I remember like trying to introduce that to like people like Sal and Sal won like no parts. Of this, I remember, I remember showing Sal the spam sketch, spam, 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 mm, spam. Okay. And Sal's like, it's stupid. I don't get it. And then like 10 months later, when he got into the wise kids, you know, then eventually it led him down the rabbit's hole being like, oh, Sal, like it's kind of, I guess someone finally told Sal, it's like Sal, wise kids, you know, is kind of like a uh, modern riff on Monty Python. Definitely. And, and he, yeah, I, got it's not it. in, it's not in uh, one of the episodes that I sent to Zach for us to watch, but, uh, they're, they do have a sketch in Whitest Kids You Know where they say that they reached out to John Cleese because they love um, Monty Python. And they asked John Cleese to write a sketch for The Whitest Kids You Know. And then they go, here it is. This is the sketch he wrote for us. And it's like two people at a dinner table. And they look at the camera and they say, Thank you very much for your letter. But unfortunately, due to my busy schedule, I won't be able to contribute anything to your show. But thanks again for your interest and best of luck in all your future endeavors. Sincerely, John Cleese. And they do that a few times where they specifically reference, like, their interactions, whether they be real or fake, with the Monty Python people. And and they've gone on record saying that they're hugely influenced by them as well. So, yeah, I think that's you're exactly right. Once you get into Whitest Kids You Know and go down the rabbit hole, it's going to eventually lead you back to Monty Python. Yeah. And I think eventually Sal walked away from Whitest Kids You Know because I think he realized there's more with Monty Python. There's more bits that kind of have staying mm-hmm. power. And that was it for me. Like, I know I, I remember back like in 2008, I had saved the Abraham Lincoln sketch to like my YouTube favorites account. And like once every couple of years, like I'll go through it, like all the way back to like the very first video I ever favorited. 
And I'll, I'll watch it then. I'll watch that video maybe once every couple of years. I find it funny. Like every once in a while, I'll go. I don't. I don't quote the part. The part where it's like, "Oh, now you effed up." I always mm-hmm. go, "He's breaking my butt. Don't break my butt. Don't break my butt." And I, I, that's the part I've always found amusing of that sketch. Okay. Uh, like I said, I find it funny. I don't think it's the greatest thing ever to the point where I go around screaming it in a dormitory. That's just me, though. <laughs> well, it, was, uh, it was only this one kid, also. Everyone else hated him for it. So I think that's definitely what what we're saying is more of the norm, Zach. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I know like obviously Rob doesn't like it because of saturation, but yes. I like it. I've, I have everything that we watch. Well, that I was forced to watch. That still is my favorite bit, maybe because it's a nostalgia of 11 years ago bleeding in. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I was watching, because again, Rob sent me the entire episode. I did not watch the entire episode. I just went back to YouTube and found the one video. Okay, okay. And, yeah, I didn't uh, watch it. I just skipped to get to the that and the Hitler rap. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I should say, too, that like even with Triumph of the Ill, uh, really, it's not, not that. I, I remember enjoying it back in the day. Now I've kind of been like, oh, I get it. Triumph of the L, ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that doesn't make sense, and it was cut out of the thing I watched. That I remember in the original sketch, there's a point where he says like, "Yo, Gorin, what do you have to say?" And it's like this guy just rapping. And I remember asking Sal, being like, "Who's Gorin?" And Sal going, "I don't know either." And I guess I have to ask Rob, who is? I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but who is the guy that he like says to like when he when he starts rapping? I uh, I've never looked it up, but I've always just taken it. It was one of like you know um. Hitler's uh, like generals or something like that. You it's know? a black guy, though. Well, I think I think that's I think that's what they're getting at with the oh. um, because you know in the video he says like he's down with everybody now. Like Hitler's he's he's not killing people. He's like just battling MCs and stuff like that. <laughs> so I I've always taken it as like you know they're they're using a name drop of somebody who's like was relevant to Hitler, but they're making him a black person because now he's okay with that type of thing. I've never looked into it though, so I'm I'm actually not sure. I haven't looked up the lyrics either, so I'll have to continue to be a mystery. Hey kids, it turns out that Hermann Goering was a powerful Nazi figure. At the same time, in the Hitler rap sketch, this person is played by Sam Brown, who's white. So who knows what the fuck Rob and Zach are talking about at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't look up the lyrics either. Um, I definitely think the, the one line in here that always gets me, the Hitler rap, is when he says something like, there's a party up at Schindler's and I'm on his A list. And I'm like, okay, you know, that, that gets a chuckle out of me. Yes, in the end, Frank thing, like, sipping Chris with my bitch and Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clever, you know. I think that as we get into more sketches, I think that's one of the, um, the hallmarks of the whitest kids you know, or at least Trevor Moore, where, you know, he likes to do those uh, comedy songs type of thing. Yeah, no, I have all the, the people in this. He's the only one I remember, especially because he has like a, the most unique face out of the lot. Mm-hmm. And two, because he was the face of Miss March. Yes, yes. He's also, I guess since we have to discuss cast and writers, uh, the five whitest, whitest kids you know are the cast of this, basically. The five of them are also writers. But every episode, Trevor Moore gets his own little you know, title card in the credits where he gets labeled as the head writer. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everything really was you know kind of his his uh brainchild at some point and then they would play with it and kind of go from there yeah it definitely shows over the course of the show definitely oh yeah absolutely i think one of them one of them like sam or or timmy like even in the last two seasons they're not even credited as a writer or anything like that so yeah interesting stuff (laughs) all right so zach where do we want to go with this do we want to talk about some sketches like we did Mr. Show? Did you have some highlights? Did you want to run through them? What were your thoughts? for? I for... do have highlights, Rob. 
Okay, I figured we'd do some highlights, because I have some highlights as well. There's certain sketches, you know, I don't think we need to spend any time on, really. So we could definitely skip over some of those, but I do want to know what Zach highlighted. But I guess I have to ask you, Zach, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have not seen a lot of this. No, I had never seen... I remember, again, I from what I remember prior to watching these... I'd seen Triumph of the Ill, mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln, and there was one sketch, I remember Sal showed me, he thought was the funniest thing ever. And it's one of the guys, like, drawing on a whiteboard, and it's like, it's, and he's just screaming something. He's like, don't look at this! Or, I don't know, that's what he says. Like, that's not what this is! Stop! And it's just screaming. It's the other guy's, like, guessing what it is. And it takes place in an office. Okay. And I'm like, I don't remember what it's even called. I just remember that, like, <laughs> memory. <laughs> <laughs> sure, and, sure. And that's all I remember. And I was being like, Sal, this isn't funny. Like, I, I, I do not get the humor in this. Like, I'm glad. Like, and Sal's like pissing himself. Like, I think like you can see like the stain in his pants growing over the course of like the sketch. And I'm like, Sal, I'm glad you find this amusing. I just don't at all. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, like, now that we're back in an episode of our sketch comedy Fort Month, where Zach is unfamiliar with the topic, I guess we have to ask then, what'd you think? Just like we asked for Mr. Show, Wonder Shows in, now that you've seen more of it, what were your uh, impressions? If it weren't for the Amanda show, this had been the worst thing we'd watched during the fort month, I'd say. Really? Okay. Yes. This so, was painful so at times. I, I 100% expected you to say this because everybody else I've ever watched this show with in more recent times, I'm not talking about like back when you know, it was, it was more popular. And when it was like being released on Netflix more recently, they have had the same exact thing to say. I I know I mentioned it in our first episode of the sketch comedy Fort month. Um, I watched an episode of the show with somebody and after it ended, they said, man, this show makes me feel stupid. (laughs) So so I think this is the, that a hundred percent happened to me. I remember who it was and they would probably say to me again, they, I'm, I'm sure they don't remember saying it to me, but I could repeat the experiment and have them get them to say it to me again. So this falls firmly into another topic I brought up uh, with white um, with sketch comedy Fort Month way back in the first episode, where I talk a lot about how um, sketch comedy that I enjoy isn't always something that makes me laugh. It's something more that makes me just think and be intrigued by things, and that's really where this show has ended up falling for me. Um, you know, a lot of these I don't think are funny. I'm just more just kind of blown away by not just the the content of individual sketches, but the composition of episodes. And so I think there will be a little more meta of a discussion rather than discuss, discussing actual or specific sketches, more of the idea of how we get such a broad range of topics and styles in each of these episodes. And I think that's always been something that has uh, really stood out to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get it because a lot of these again, like, please don't anticipate another Chappelle show where we kind of break down like what's funny and what's not funny because it's either going to be a very lengthy episode or a very short episode. <laughs> no, no. So, so to that point, uh, I think before we jump into some uh, specific sketches to highlight, I, I think that you know this is what I just described. How we kind of have you know this this weird collection or composition of sketches in every episode. Um, that that really comes down to you know how you watch this. I don't know how much research Zach did, but when this show, when Whitest Kids You Know was airing on IFC, sometimes it would air as a 30-minute block, and sometime it would air as a 15-minute block. And so there's there's no really kind of distinction on what sketches go with which episode. 
because sometimes they would air in ha- a half an hour episode of Whitest Kids You Know, and it would get to you know the six or seven six or seven sketches that uh, you'd get in a usual you know twenty two minutes of material with some commercials. But then they would go back and they would air the same episodes just cut up and they would basically say, okay, let's cut it up into two halves. Let's move some sketches around from the first half to the second half and then air it again. So it's not like I think the whitest kids, you know, chose or the producers chose, you know, to have this type of composition of sketches. It was more of the scheduling or, or something like that. Maybe you have more light to shed on that. Zach, have you ever heard of this happening where sometimes we'll get a 30 minute version of an episode. Sometimes we'll get a 15 minute version. Is this common? That sounds more like someone trying to fit into the programming uh, schedule. Yeah, that, that's, that's that, what I'm saying, where it seems like this, the, the, what exists in these episodes is more up to the people who are scheduling rather than the actual people who are creating the episodes. It sounds less like a creative choice and more just a uh, practical, just we, need, we have space, just plug it in. And I mean, that, that happens sometimes. I'm trying to think of a good example. Kind of like Dis- going back to Disney Channel. would be like, they did air a Disney Channel original movie. Like from like I don't know eight o'clock to like nine forty, and so they didn't have mm-hmm. time to air like a full like two eleven yeah. minute episodes. So you get like a couple like on like a music video. You get like some I don't know some just general marketing materials. Then you get like one block of like I don't know Kim Possible mm-hmm. or the Proud mm-hmm. Family, and obviously children's programming is a lot different than IFC. But uh, no, it sounds more like a practical decision than a creative one. Like okay, we have a spot to fill. We, we have access to all these. It's weird that I'm surprised someone like Trevor Moore, whoever was in charge of this, I would imagine you probably have to agree to these sort of terms. Mm-hmm. That they, they, a lot of times people don't want that. Again, producers just don't want the, uh, the network just cutting things up just to, again, fit them into a spot where they have room. So it's weird that that didn't happen. Okay, sure. But, uh, or maybe they didn't care. It's sketch comedy. What's the difference if it airs in a half an hour block or an hour block? The joke, the bit is either going to land or it's not going to land. Yep, yep. And so uh, I think that you, with that, you bring up a really good point. Um, this show is kind of, you know, whether it was created or not to fit that, the structure of this show is just sketches. You know, we never have the whitest kids, you know, talking to the audience like we did in Chappelle's show. You know, we never had these kind of buffers of a, of a narrative like we did in, say, Wonder Shows and, or really even bookends like we did for the Amanda show or the Idiot Box. This is truly just sketches strung together by the buffer of their logo and a little bit of noise of a sound effect. Mm. So it lends itself to being like, okay, we can cut it up and move it around. It's almost like, you know, where do these pieces fit together so they fit into this time block we have? Absolutely. So so while I said, you know, I've always been interested in the composition of these sketches, that's not something that exists fixed, I should say. Like, I have, I think I have a few of my rips are from DVDs, and so that's just, if you get the DVDs, that will always be the order for those episodes. But then I have some TV rips, and the TV rips have sketches that are in different orders from, say, what's listed on you know sources like Wikipedia and IMDb and, and other places like that. I have some episodes that are listed as you know like season three, episode four, when it turns out that it's actually you know the first half of season three, episode eight, according to this source, and then the second half of season three, episode thirteen, for this other source. And so it's all over the place. And so. Uh, you know, we can't. I can't comment on on as much as the in- intrigue of this composition of sketches because, as we've been saying, it seems like it's just you know how do we get the uh, the the round peg to fit into a square hole type of thing for the network? Yeah, can't disagree. 
Okay, okay. So I, I did think that was interesting because I didn't know that until the research for this, uh, for this recording, that they, they actually did this weird type of, of breaking it up and type of thing. So I guess we have to get into, before we can talk about some of the more philosophical stuff of this, we do have to discuss some of the sketches, because so far we've just done the Abe Lincoln and the Hitler Raff sketch, which are probably the two most well-known ones. Um, did you have anything else to say about either of those two, Zach? Uh, no, just don't break my ass. Sure, sure, okay. Um, so then, I guess, as usually, the next thing I would say is I would tell the audience what episodes we watched, uh, because, of course, you know, I chose, I think, maybe five episodes for Zach and I to, to watch and discuss. But based on what we just said about how all the episodes could possibly be in different orders, I guess that doesn't really matter. <laughs> so let's just jump it over to, throw it over to Zach and say, well, what did you want to highlight? What were uh, the standouts or negative standouts that you wanted to comment on? Season two, episode two. Yes. The Peeping Tom sketch. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, the, the rear window-esque type of thing? Yes. as I was, Because <laughs> at this point, I think that's what, the second or third sketch of the first episode you gave me? Yeah. And I already was like rolling my eyes so badly they were falling out of my skull. And I'm like, oh no, oh no, this is going to be one of those things. And then I saw this sketch, and I'm like, oh, okay. I, mean, I, I remember liking Trevor Moore from uh, Miss March. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is a funny premise. The idea of like, a pretty woman across the way, she's getting, she's getting naked. You can do things that you can't do on like regular... Because this time, IFC was like a weird sort of like... It wasn't like basic cable, yeah, but it wasn't HBO. It was like in this weird sort of like gray zone where it was like premium cable, but not just... Like top tier, so like you have her, she's getting disrobed. Uh, she sees, I think, at one point, I think, what's one of the guys says, like, oh, sh like shine her with your laser pointer. Yeah, he they they think that she like she like she's jumping around and bending over like right in front of the window in her lingerie. So they're like, she has to know we're here. So shine your laser pointer at her. <laughs> <laughs> which which that in of itself is just a funny idea. Like, oh, you're witnessing this thing. That's kind of again, it's it's a very Oh god, hyper realized scenario of any sort of like peeping Tom where it's like you have this gorgeous woman, she's wearing practically nothing, and it's like, oh, let's shine her with, with the laser pointer. <laughs> They're like, okay. And they shine it, and then like, okay, she sees them, and I'm guessing it's it's she feels humiliated. So she pulls a gun out and shoots herself in the head. Then, well, she, so she oh. she chokes. She like oh, she chokes. She, oh, yeah, she yes. she sees the laser pointer and chokes, but then the husband comes in and he oh, shoots himself in the head. Excuse me, I got I got my death wrong. There's many deaths in this sketch, so it's, yes, it's okay. It's understandable. And it's like, okay, so she chokes, and I'm like, okay, that's. I'm like, this is a funny bit. I'm like, okay, you, you have your set off, and I have a payoff, and what's gonna be the resolution to this now? What's gonna be? What's gonna happen to these two guys? And then like the husband comes in, like Rob says, he sees, oh God, honey, and like and they're like screaming, why isn't he doing CPR on her? And then he pulls out a gun and shoots himself. And I'm like, okay, where is this going now? And then I start getting afraid. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to turn into a, a sketch of just everything dialed up to 11. And then, oh, then, like, the cops come in. and do Right? Isn't it the cops come in? I think the kid the kid is oh, next and oh, picks oh, up the gun. Child, yes. And then we have, we have a great, like, voice acting of Timmy. He goes, is that kid going to kill himself? That kid's going to kill himself. But then the cops come in. Oh no, a kid! This is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Oh no, don't do it! Is he gonna kill himself? Oh no, 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 don't do it, don't do it! That kid's gonna kill himself! Yes, and eventually it's just that every single person who sees the bodies kills themselves. 
And it's like, okay. And until eventually the sketch ends with the two wise kids, you know, being like, hey, she's just getting out of the shower. And yep. that's the end of the sketch. And I'm like, you have such a great, great setup. And then it becomes just, a, again, this is the thing I have to say. This felt very Amanda show-esque in that sense of where we were talking about, like, every sketch has, like, its premise. Except the premise is played to death. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't. And that's where I'm like, oh god! Like, again, I think they they all have, for the most part, a pretty good sense of comedic timing. It's just that the premise of each sketch doesn't do them favors. Yeah, I, I I would say I have to agree, and I think this is just something we're realizing as we discuss you and I, Zach, discuss more and more of where you know when when a when a joke when any comedic thing goes on too long. I know that's something we've talked about a lot so far in this fort month. That's where you start to tune out a little bit or a lot in some cases, and where I start to really go like, oh my God, like I need to inspect this even further type of thing. Like, cause those are the points when the sketches really start to intrigue me because you're right. You're absolutely right. I think everything you said about the sketch, this has never been one of my favorite sketches, um, but everything you're saying is like, yes, you have a good setup and then it just gets played to death. And it's like, they're just stretching this last little drop of comedy or, or ingenuity that they have in this and trying to fill it out for some reason. And that's the points of white as kids, you know, where I'm like, you know, this is interesting to me for some reason. And, and once again, you know, it's, it's clever, clever setup, but anything about this sketch, I wouldn't, wouldn't really call funny. Um, you know, this is much more of, I think high school humor where it's like, Oh, the cop shot a little kid. Cause he had a gun. It's so hilarious. And it's like, no, that's just, that's just like what you would do in that setting of this sketch at that point. <laughs> It's, it's, I think a good way to put it, and maybe, um, maybe this will make more sense to, or maybe it'll make sense to you now, but I think as we dis- uh, describe some sketches we have to highlight, I think part of the reason that I enjoy The Whitest Kids You Know so much as a, as a comedy troupe is because they're not doing anything, uh, maybe a better way to put it is almost all of the jokes that they throw out are low-hanging fruit, but it's low-hanging fruit that everybody else thought was so low-hanging they didn't want to touch it. And that's really, really oh, interesting to me. You know, it's like they were picking up the fruit that was already laying on the ground type of thing. <laughs> and that's I, I find that really, really intriguing. That OK, that's the only sketch I have from that episode from that first episode. OK, I did want to highlight just based on what we saw, uh, what we were saying earlier about, um, you know, the, the joke kind of plays itself out. Maybe uh, to juxtapose that maybe the joke playing itself out almost immediately. Uh, this is probably a good example of maybe a sketch that doesn't hold up well because it's probably been done and thought about so many times. The fake commercial for joining the police force, where the whole commercial for joining the police force is just you get to fire your gun all the time. And I think that's one of the examples where the joke doesn't really play out. The sketch, the whole sketch is maybe, what, 30, 40 seconds long. And it's like, you could be a traffic operator. And, like, the traffic operator, like, the guy waving traffic is just shooting his gun straight into the camera. And it's like, you could be prepared for stakeouts. And a guy has binoculars and he's shooting his gun right up at the sky. And it's like, as soon as you watch a second to two seconds of that sketch, you understand what it is and you don't need to see any more. And so it's kind of like, you know, it's, it doesn't hold up. No one's going to watch this today and go, oh, that's so clever. The police shoot all the time. It's like, no, that's just like political commentary almost at this point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. But I don't, I, I think I did laugh at that. I found that amusing. It's like, okay, if you're a cop, it's like, you, you, 
free reign to fire your gun as much as you want. That's funny. And I think it, it's one of the very few sketches that plays out its premise just long enough that it doesn't wear out its own welcome. Okay, okay. That's what I would have to say work for the most part. Like, it, it depends on what your audience is. Again, comedy is uh, subject is so subjective. But no, that's one of the ones I'd say actually does its job just perfectly. Okay, okay, sure. Um, let's juxtapose that to the sketch that follows it immediately after the cowboy putting on shows sketch. Oh God, this is. Oh God, this is like this is. I I think every time I watch this sketch, it gets basically no outward reaction from me. But at the end of it, every single time, I'm just like, "What the fuck is this? Like, what?" What is this? This ex- this transcends the concept I've been discussing on this episode of the series where I'm talking about just how did this sketch sketch get created? This sketch is more like they were on a bad acid trip and had cameras around them and there was no one to tell them no cuz this is just a bad idea through and through, I feel. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I think you know that that type of stuff. It's it's interesting to have, you know, Something going from, like you said, you know, the uh, the Peeping Tom sketch to just a few minutes later, we get this cowboy sketch, which ends with, you know, one of the troop members walking out of the sketch and the other one's going, show me your mood ring. It's blue. You're sad. It's green. I'm horny. I peed in my face. And it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did chuckle at the thing at the end with the, the mood ring. It's like green means just said, no, it means I'm horny. It's like, I don't know. I, I could, that it's so funny. It's like there's 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 bits and pieces to this. Like there's some corn in the crap. Like there is some nutritional value here. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's just Zach's motto for sketch comedy as a whole. Like there's some corn in the crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's how we're gonna describe the fourth month at the end. It's gonna be there's some corn in the crap. There's some <laughs> gems, but they're few and far in between. And I, over, so that's Zach. Zach is like the normal person that, you know, looks at a pile of, of crap and says, you know, the kid, there might be something good in there, but I don't want to dig into it to find it. Where I'm more like the, I don't know if Zach's Rob ever lives seen it. Rob lives in it. Rob lives in it. See, I was going to make the analogy. I don't know if Zach's ever seen it, but there's like the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where uh, Danny, well, Danny DeVito and Charlie Day, they like sleep in the same bed in that show. And <sighs> one morning they wake up and there's like, a sh- someone shit the bed like that's literally the name of the episode is who pooped the bed and so they like take the poop to some lab and they're like hey can you analyze this to see like what this person has eaten we can figure out who has like who who pooped the bed and the lab technician is like who are you people get out of here i'm not going to do whatever you're asking me but as they're leaving there's like this this squirmier lab technician who comes up and he's like hey you got shit I can look at? And he, like, wants to look at it. I'm that guy for sketch comedy. I want to wade through all the shit to find the, the diamonds in the rough. And as it turns out, I enjoy a lot of the shit as well. <laughs> I'm not denying it. This, this, some, of, some of this stuff we've discussed and that we haven't yet discussed is, is nonsense. And I, I am all on board with it. <laughs> a clunky analogy for a clunky podcast. Well, Zach, if you had watched all of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it would have been a little better. Oh, okay. I think that other than that, that was it. All I wanted to really highlight from uh, Season 2, Episode 2, I think other in here, we get the um, the doctor that is homophobic, doesn't want to touch a patient's testicle to see if there's a lump. Um, we get the McLaughlins, where what the kids get whale genitalia or animal genitalia attached to their yeah. heads. All that stuff. So... So yeah, uh, I definitely think out of the episodes I picked, this was one I was I picked solely for the highlighting of things like, 
you know, the cowboy sketch and the pure, really, it, it's an even purer form of bafflement than I've tr- uh, previously discussed on this series. <laughs> Moving on. I completely skipped season three, episode five. So if you have anything to pull from that, now is your time to speak. Okay. Well, season three, episode four was what we were supposed to discuss oh. next. So. Oh, I had five written down. Never mind. Okay. Okay. So I guess expand on that. Did you just not want to watch it? No, I watched it. I just didn't like anything in it. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you said that you like turned it on and then just didn't watch it type of thing. Well, that's what my brain did. I I physically sat through it whether my brain processed it or watched it. It's a completely separate question. Okay. Okay. So, so this one, um, you know, this one has the, the skateboard sketch that I mentioned. Um, I, I have nothing against the Asian hooker sketch at the start when the CEO has the, the Asian prostitute tied up to the bed. I've always enjoyed that to some extent, especially, you know, when the pimp comes in and they're like, sir, what's going on? He's like, it's just a pimp stabbing his trick. It happens all the time. I had nothing. I have nothing against that sketch. There's nothing really, you know, mind blowing about it. It's just kind of a, you know, a, a weird, almost fish out of water scenario or just a different perspective to a common boardroom scenario. Um, but then, you know, we get to things like the earthquake sketch, which that's really the kind of sketch that screams to me like this is some this is a level of avant garde that like is beyond avant garde or maybe below avant garde. I don't know. It's just so, so weird that this sketch starts with, OK, an earthquake's been going on for a long time. Sure. And then a news anchor curses on air because, like, a light falls during the earthquake and hits him on the he- on his head. Then there's a trial for I don't know what, why there's a trial because there's video evidence that this guy cursed on air. And then the then the earthquake stops and they're like, we're all going to celebrate with sodas and all the sodas blow up and that's the whole sketch. And it's just like, what what is going on? Like, why does this exist? How did this get made? Type of thing. Like, how do you conceive this and then say, okay, let's film it? Bonkers. <laughs> There's a lot of this, too, with these sketches where you have to, like, watch. You're like, what is the point of the sketch? Where, what is the joke? What is the set-off, the payoff, and the humor? And a lot of times it's like, is there any of that? Or is it just, like, the zaniness is the payoff? And that's yeah, just yeah. the entire premise. That's what it seems. Some of the, so many of these sketches just bounce around. And it's like, you, there is, they aren't about anything. You know, it's just so strange. Uh, But once again, I I am totally on board with that. Just watching it for the sheer kind of intrigue of just what the hell is this? And then, of course, also in this episode, we get the sketch where apparently horses are incredibly turned on by pictures of stegosauruses. Another thing, who would thought of that? Who would have thought that was a good idea to film, you know? Uh, that's yeah. very Tom Green esque. That is oh, somebody yes, who. Definitely. That is very Tom Green esque. The idea of someone trying to, uh, uh, what's the word? Oh, guys, a phrase for it. Trying to sit there, not inseminate the horse. It's before that when you're trying to uh, get a sample. Oh yeah, a yeah. specimen sample from the horse, and it's like, oh, but it's not working. And it's like, okay, this is a raunchy premise, but I can't imagine teenage boys finding this funny. And then it's like, oh, how are we gonna do it? Yeah, get your picture. Get yourself a picture of a dinosaur. They love that. And then mm-hmm. when that happens, the horse just does not stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. The, definitely the Tom Green aspect. It it is Tom Green similar, but it's it's like a Tom Green joke without the beautiful insanity of Tom Green. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Okay. Too. Tom Green makes it look easy. 
Yeah, yeah. Because in Tom Green, they, there's basically the same scene where, you know, he, he's driving to California or whatever, and he stops on the side of the road and runs onto the farm and grabs the horse's erect penis. And, you know, so so it's there. It's there, definitely. <laughs> Again, it's weird how you can have, like, a very similar premise, but one is executed perfectly, and the other one, for the most part, falls flat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, and then I think there's a few other sketches in here. Well, okay, one, the last one I did want to mention, but for a reason, because I've actually seen it pop up other uh, in recent years. But I have to highlight, because I've already highlighted it, the most loveliest bride sketch. This is one of those things where it's pure insanity. You know, they're in the car, husband and wife, and the, the woman is just like, I want to see the most loveliest bride! I want to see the most loveliest bride! And it's like, Gloria, I understand. I'm driving as fast as I can. And she just gets louder and louder and shriller and shriller. And then eventually there's the car accident. She crawls over to the husband's decapitated head. And it's like, we have to go see the most loveliest bride. And then she, you know, gets the better. What? She bites off the EMT's ear. She gets the cop's gun. She runs away into the distance and eventually gets to see the most loveliest bride. This is an example of insanity and pure bafflement as to how this uh, was thought of and came to exist, but it's done in such a way that it matches up with something I'm more interested in. So I don't, I'm not saying that this sketch is any more grounded or any more um, realistic or any of the, you know, antitheses of words we've been describing previous sketches with. It still has all of the hallmarks that we've been describing so far, but for some reason it rubs against me the right way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but I'm glad it does for you. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. So, the most loveliest bride. We need to go see the most loveliest bride, bride. Zach. You know what I actually wrote as one of my notes in this sketch? I wish it was longer. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I, honestly, I we needed shriller and harsher screaming about the most loveliest bride, I think. That's what we needed from this. Absolutely not. <laughs> Zach, would you go see the most loveliest bride with me? I think so. You th okay, good, good. Would you uh, would you purposely crash the car as we were driving? Maybe. Maybe, okay. Depends on how shrill you are. Okay, okay. I think we're going to replay this when we go see, what, Avatar 2 in nine years? Oh, my God. It'll be one, one of us will be driving, and then the other will be like, Avatar 2! We're going back to Pandora! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, so the last sketch in this episode uh, that I wanted to highlight is the last sketch of the episode. I have never been into this sketch. I think it's more because this is not my type of humor, but this is the sketch where Trevor is trying to convince his coworkers that a girl with testicles would be hot, and they just keep calling him gay. Yes. So I, you know, this is not my type of humor, uh, you know, toilet humor, and then all the, like, very overtly sexual humor. Sure, there's some of it I like, but it's not my go-to this sketch I've never found funny. I've never really found it interesting as well. Like, I've always gotten it, you know. I've been in settings where some people are like, oh, I have this opinion and I really want you to believe it. And so they try all these ways to restate the same facts. But this sketch has never, like, got, done anything for me. But I wanted to highlight it because in, like, the last two or three years, I have seen this sketch and just this sketch pop up on websites, like on meme sites, you know, Reddit or any of those, people will post this sketch and it will get, l like, acclaim. It will get lauded. It will be on the front page and stuff like that. And I don't understand why. Out of all the sketches on here, 
that could be, you know, memeable, maybe, if that's a good way to put it. Why this one? Do you have any thoughts on that, Zach? I'm sure, I'm assuming you haven't seen it on any websites pop up recently. (laughs) But I have, and I'm just kind of baffled by that. Well, if I have, I wouldn't even be able to recognize that, I don't think. To answer your question, no, I really, I don't know. Because it's... There is an element to this, the idea of, again, uh, especially in today's, like, oh, God, socio-political thing with gender norms. It's like, oh, if it's a dude with, or if it's a woman with balls, why wouldn't it be attractive still? I could see maybe on that level, like, mm-hmm. considering like, that is such a thing now in the culture, maybe. But beyond that, considering that most people probably don't look at it that way, I would imagine, especially the writers of that sketch probably didn't. Designed yeah. it that way I don't know It's one of those things Where it's kind of like Go figure what makes The internet tick Okay There there's, there was Sometimes I would see this And you know I would like watch it To see how much Of the sketch They actually included And every time I've seen it They include the whole thing And so part of me Was thinking Maybe there's some type Of like the The like LOL so random aspect Because the end Is you know When they're like No that's gay After he has the diagram And they're like Trevor you're gay You know This girl having balls Is is homosexual And he goes You're fired And then he screams To like The the camera Or whatever He's like Okay folks Back to work We have to come up With four new popcorn flavors By the end of the month And then it goes That's right You've been watching The popcorn factory sketch Part of me thinks Maybe that's why People share it Because it has that Oh so random aspect to it But that still like that's that's nothing new for the internet type of thing that are that yeah. irreverence or that weird kind of left turn at the end that's nothing new so I, I see no reason as why they would glom onto that so yeah I just have always been kind of confused that this sketch has been the thing to rise to the top for you know meme sites in the most recent years yeah I would be able to tell you maybe it's that it would depend on what kind of context it's being shared as in mm-hmm. the form of a meme yeah yeah. We'll never know. Zach and I would have to do some deep undercover meme work <laughs> to do figure get, that do, out. Do we get a grant? How much grant money do we need? Yes, we would need grant money to go undercover in the meme community. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. So, yes, that was the last sketch of season three, episode four. Uh, while we're in season three, this is from my research when they did most of their cutting up into the different, like whether it be 30 minute or 15 minute. So, can't say for sure if you actually go and find season three, episode four, if you're going to get to see things like uh, the Asian hooker in the in the CEO's room or the loveliest bride or, or the popcorn factory sketch. So good luck <laughs> for the for what the one percent of you that want to look this up afterwards. You'll be lucky if it's one percent. <laughs> it rounds up, you know what we have like we have like what four four viewers. So what? Oh, twenty five percent. One out of four. That's pretty good. Why? <laughs> All right. So next one was season three, episode eight. What did you have to highlight out of here, Zach? All right. The first sketch is not even one that I like, but one that I think is interesting that would later be borrowed in the form of Rick and Morty. And it is the anarchy sketch. Yes, yes, yes. Which I have to agree with off. Yeah, yeah. I have to agree. I'm glad you bring that up because that's something I wanted to discuss. But I have to agree with you. I've never thought this sketch was very funny. I do love the very end where... They, the guy's like, I'm going to be the shirt inspector. And they're like, he sounds like a cop. And he goes, no, I'm just an inspector. And they beat him up. And then they go, anarchy wins. Forget everything that guy said. And the guy from the power plant goes, wait, forget everything that guy said? 
well, I'm Barry, and I used to work at the power plant up north. And then it cuts as the end of the sketch. I, I've always loved that as the end of that sketch. But that's pretty much it, you know? Because other other than that, it is just the Rick and Morty thing that everybody's kind of, you know, more familiar with now. Yeah, but I have to say, this is probably one of the more clever sketches, where it's like the idea of like, oh, you have all, especially it's applicable even to today's society with the uh, socialist nuts. It's like the idea, like, we're going to tear down the system. And it's like, well, what do we do about the problems that are like, Left over that if they're not taken care of will destroy everything. Well, we'll sit there design. Well, you'll be in charge of that. Well, if I'm in charge of that, then how will I be taken care of? Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, uh, and eventually it leads back to just the, how the system got started. And no, I think that's clever. Again, it's not exactly comedy, it's more psych satire. Sure. I'd sure. say than straight up like sketch comedy. But no, I think this is actually genuinely clever. Almost too clever for this show. I'd, I'd be fascinated in learning who <laughs> wrote that specific sketch because whoever it is got chucked out the window the moment they were finished. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. The Rick and Morty thing. I'm glad you bring that up. I could okay. answer that for money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So I'm gonna jump in here, Zach, because the the sketch I want to talk about next is the sketch that immediately follows this one. RC Glow. RC Glow. Zach. RC Glow. R.C. Glow. Zach, R.C. Glow, the incandescent beverage. Zach, R.C. Glow. I drink it. Incandescent beverage. So this is one this is one sketch that I don't know why, but ever since the first time I saw it, it has stuck in my head. I don't know what it is about this sketch, but the concept I think it's a lot of the editing. I was really trying to pay attention more to the 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 stuff that isn't just the performances in the sketch when I rewatched it. I think the editing adds a lot to why I enjoy this so much, like the back and forth and the switch between close up face face shots and like full body shots. But just RC glow. The RC cola is going to glow in the dark all the time. RC glow. That how is it going to glow? That's for marketing to figure out. Do you have the sheet that says what all the departments do? Yes, I do. Did you look at the sheet? That's not for marketing to figure out. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about this sketch, but this is always, like, stuck in my head. And every time I'm in, like, a grocery store or something and I see RC Cola, I'll be like, do you think they have RC Glow? <laughs> and people will be like, what is that? And I'll be like, RC Glow, the incandescent beverage. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is going to, now that I've been, you know, reminded of it for Cinemodities, this is going to be something I think you're going to, Zach and the audience will be hearing me say quite a bit more. RC oh, Glow. no. We have another mayo must on our hands. RC Glow. The incandescent. What consumer would choose an incandescent beverage? RC Glow. The incandescent beverage. <laughs> that's, for, that's for marketing. To, that's for finance to figure out. No, it's not. Well, it's not for marketing to figure out. You're right. <laughs> Oh, oh, I think we're just going to put the whole clip, the whole sketch. Oh, no. It's only like a minute long. Oh, God. It feels like 20 I love it. I love RC Glow. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, let's start this meeting about the new direction of RC Cola. The presentation begins now. Got some ideas. By some, I mean one big idea. RC Glow. That's right. The RC will glow. What do you mean, glow? The RC Cola is going to glow. In the dark? All the time. How are you going to make the RC glow? That's for the marketing department to figure out. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Pete, do you have the sheet on what the different departments are and what they do? That's not the marketing department. 
You're the marketing department. I'm the marketing department, and I'm marketing RC Glow. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You're not. Yeah. Not. RC Glow. How are you going to make RC Glow? That's for finance to figure out. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Look at the sheet. It's not. It's not. It's not. That's marketing. No, you're marketing. I am. RC Glow. In store soon. No. Yes. Why would a consumer choose an incandescent beverage? RC Cola. The incandescent beverage. You know, any chemical that's going to make RC glow is going to be toxic. That's for finance to figure out. No, it's not. Look at the sheet. Well, it's not for marketing. Well, you're right. So we don't have to worry about it. That's not true. RC glow. Also vanilla RC glow. No. Yes. No. Totally. No. Done deal. It's not. It is. No. Advertising. Nope. Finance. No. RC glow. RC glow. Fine. Thank you. That's another sketch that, like, you take a very thin premise, the idea that, like, you have the marketing guy who has no idea, and it's like, oh, that's finance's job. No, it's so-and-so's job. And, like, it just keeps going around to, like, the same, like, two or three beats over and over and over again. Yes. The problem is, like, a lot of these sketches have a good premise, but it just, they go nowhere so quickly. Sure, sure. I think, yeah, that goes along with what we were saying with, you know, either they go nowhere or they drag the premise out too long. Um, like I said, you know, I think it has like everything just works for me. The editing keeps it kind of uh, upbeat for me. You know, if it was just like the a static shot of them in the courtroom, it would not work as well. It really is those close ups and things, and it accentuates. You know, when when he says "RC Glow" with the same tone of voice that he's already said it for twenty times, it's fantastic. <laughs> Rob really does like repetition, folks. Oh yeah, this is a perfect example of it. I had to interject because I figured you weren't going to bring up R.C. Glow. I was not. <laughs> I was trying to deliberately avoid it, so thanks. R.C. Glow. All right, next sketch, the bedtime story sketch. Ah, yes. Remember, we leave this world together. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably Which, one of my favorite things to say to a child. <laughs> I heard that. I'm like, like, the whole thing is that's not a sketch. It's pretty good. Like, it, it has a nice setup and it has a payoff that you're not expecting. Mm-hmm. It does everything you're, again, it has that nice little, like, kind of like touch at the end. Like you said, like, we end, we leave this world together, which is great. I love that. Like, it's, it's a way of saying goodbye to somebody. I'd love to substitute that from now on. Like, someone's like, all right, I'll see you later. We leave this world together. Wait, what? And you yeah. And, and that line comes, like, right after where the little girl is like, Daddy. Do you think mommy will ever find us again? And he goes, I got a 30 aught six that says it doesn't matter if she does. So that's definitely <laughs> a gun that he's saying. He says he has a gun where it doesn't matter if she finds them again. And then he goes, We remember, we leave this world together. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Daddy, you think mommy will ever find us again? Got a 30 aught six that says it doesn't matter if she does. I love you, Dad. We leave this world together. Do you understand me? We leave this world together. I know. Like even like even prior to that though, where he's like going through the whole thing, it's like he's like telling the story, and he's like, I had this, and Daddy had to sell his like '69 muscle car to make an honest woman out of Mommy. Yeah. And it's like, and then Daddy realized there weren't enough muscle cars in the world, or enough jewelry, enough uh, rings in the world to make an honest woman out of Mommy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. That that's a solid sketch. That's that's solid. Okay. So you are you are just leaving off the end of that sketch because it is connected with the Jolly Green Giant, right? 
Oh, that I like that. That, bit that too. is part of this. That is part of the sketch. That, after, because they hear they think it's Santa, but it's the Jolly Green Giant on their roof. I, I like that bit too, but it's the fact that like it shifts gears and it's so much of a tonal shift. You get whiplash mm. from it. It's tonal yeah. whiplash. Yeah, and like it's funny because then you have the Jolly Green Giant. And he has a giant bag full of full of pee, and he dumps it out, and then, like he leaves, and you hear them go, "Worst Christmas ever." Yeah, <laughs> like it's funny, but it's another example of like you know what? If you left the joke alone with, with him saying we leave this world together, mm-hmm. that would work. Like again, if you want to have a more absurd ending to a sketch, there's other ones you can do that too. Yeah, yeah, I've right, always thought right, that way. Write a Christmas morning or a Christmas night sketch if you want to have that joke. You yeah. don't need it in that one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that always seemed really out of place because the meat of that sketch is truly, you know, the story of the dad that the dad's telling to the kid. Absolutely. The last sketch I have is the final one of the episode. Oh, the the aliens, the mocking yes. aliens. Okay. Yes, I like <laughs> the aliens. I like. Oh, this okay. One. Right on. Because we have what we have a family out in the woods. They're sitting there. They see something in the sky. The aliens ship lands, three aliens come out, and they mimic mimic the people as they ask questions like, are you aliens? All, are, all these questions like, do you want to go to our, our leaders, wherever it is? Mm-hmm. And the aliens just continue to make these fantastic mimicking noises. <laughs> like, and they do it in a weird, I guess I gotta give them credit for is that it's a very nice mimicry blended with what I would imagine is an alien language. Yeah, yeah, because you definitely hear because they're you know they're mocking them, they're repeating the things that the human family said, but you can still tell that they're repeating them. You know, like the they say they're like go to Washington, Washington D.C. is that way, and the aliens are like go to Washington, go to Washington, and it's perfect, as Zach said. Greetings, welcome to our planet. <laughs> Washington, D.C. is that way. Go to Washington. Oh, sweet Jesus. And then the thing that's the, the cherry on top that I like, as the aliens eventually leave, go in their spaceship and, and just get out of there, the main guy turns around and goes, what a bunch of pricks, and he just cuts the black. <laughs> yep, and that's the end of the episode, yep. <laughs> I like that. That was good. I, okay, that was right on. that was up my alley because again it went on for like what 60 seconds maybe yes. like two minutes tops it does not end with the jolly green giant with a bag filled with pee mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. good point good point the more there's, there's got to be like a line graph somewhere where like the shorter the sketches the much more likely i am to enjoy them that'd be interesting yeah to do some uh do some analytics like that <laughs> <laughs> when does when do people fall off of certain things or fall away from certain things? You need some of that grant money, right, Rob? Oh yeah, God, so much grant money. money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob. Anything else about this episode of Wukuk? No, no, no. Uh, other than um, uh, RC Glow. RC Glow. RC Glow. Season four, episode five. Yes. Yes. Only one sketch from this entire episode, and less of less of me enjoying it, and more of like not. I guess another another instance of somebody stealing it from them. Okay. The, the Timmy talk sketch. Ah, okay, okay. 
this is what this is not one to show this is tim and eric yep the yeah. idea of having an interview and doing it with the same person but having the footage like overlapped but out of sync this is tim and eric at its fun. or actually this is more just adult swim mm, yeah that's a good way to put it yep that editing that, style for sure and the fact that it goes on twice we get the exact same bit basically done twice but with two different actors mm-hmm. and there it is it's it's shocking like if somebody if you could pull it down on, on adult swim i would not question it for a second <laughs> okay okay <laughs> interesting yeah that's a good point absolutely <laughs> Okay, the that's Timmy, it. Okay, the Timmy Talk sketch, I've I've always you know enjoyed somewhat, but you're absolutely right. It's always made me think of that Tim and Eric, that Adult Swim editing type of stuff. Um, I do want to highlight uh, from this episode a sketch that I've I've always enjoyed. It's the restaurant sketch where the puss the salad tastes like pussy. And so this sketch to set up families at a restaurant. There's two very loud, obnoxious men at a table near them, and they are basically just screaming. This salad tastes like a pussy. And eventually, the, the the table, the family is like, "Can you like not scream vulgarities? I'm trying to have uh, dinner with my family." But then they're like, "You have to try this salad." And the husband tries the salad. The wife tries the salad. The kid eventually tries the salad. And he goes, "This doesn't taste like pussy." And the whole, all these people are like, "We got you. We knew you've been eating pussy. Where have you been eating pussy?" And he's like, "I don't know. School." And the mom goes. Was it Kyle's house? And he goes, sometimes Kyle's house. And she goes, well, you could say goodbye to Kyle's house, mister. <laughs> so I've always loved, like, this, the idea of this sketch. Because it, it's taken the, you know, the loud, obnoxious restaurant customer. But it's kind of put it in this vein of, you know, oh, it's a setup to, to prove, I guess, or find evidence that this kid has been performing cunnilingus and this kid looks like he could be no more than 10 so that has always just stood out to me and then of course at the end when one of the guys is like hey so are you gonna help me with with that thing with my kid and he goes well what was it again and they basically say they're gonna dress up like ghosts and burn a cross on somebody's lawn (laughs) and he's like yeah i'm not gonna do that and the other guy's like okay fair enough fair enough i'll I'll see you on monday (laughs) well this is not the sketch that like again it's a funny idea it's a raunchy idea but it's funny but it's like we don't we don't need three minutes of the guys in the back screaming about it. We don't need that much setup. I it's, I agree, and I think this is where we get into more of the, where the whitest kids you know um, they they at least they thought it was very funny to to focus in on that vulgarity and stuff. You know, I definitely think they were some people who like with the with the popcorn factory sketch and oh wouldn't it be hot if this girl had balls and then they ho- they harp on that for so long i think that's just their style is they think that the the overtly sexual and crude stuff is is I their wheelhouse i don't think it's the raunchy that's the problem though it's just the fact that like we get it like we get like we it's not that the raunchy part it's the idea like okay we spend so much time on that element of it that it's like okay it's a like concise it's like brevity no, no, is the soul yeah. of wit I, I agree with you. I'm saying that the whitest kids you know don't agree with us. They think that just having more... Th- to them, I don't think it is set up. I, to them, I think it's how many jokes can we write about a salad tasting like a vagina? And then however many jokes they do write, that's what goes in the sketch. And there's no point at cutting it down because they wrote everything they wrote they think is funny and worth it. So I don't think it's so much of... Th- they probably know that the setup is there. They just wanted to throw more of what they think is some really funny material in there. And I think as we've discussed, you know, we don't find that very funny. 
you can set Rob, that up with one line. Rob, do we? Can we even say that these are the people that made Miss March? Are we sure that they're aware of this? Aware that they think sex is funny? Absolutely. No, no the fact that like their setup can be concise. No, that that we don't know. That we don't know for sure. They might I, know that. I don't think they know that at all. I sure, think sure. I think they think that they have to just keep hammering the point home so hard. I think, and that's what it is. I don't think they realize that like, okay, we can we can kind of like trim this into like 30 seconds and it will the payoff will be just as good, if not better, because of it. I, I see what you're saying, but I don't even think they think about it that way, which is probably, you know, in some sense agreeing with you. The payoff to them is is the three minutes of unnecessary dick and ball and vagina jokes that get put into their sketches. That is the payoff, I think, what they believe. Then that means they have a fundamental misunderstanding of what comedy is. Uh, I wouldn't say misunderstanding. I'd say disagreement or disagreements. Okay, so the idea, like, if I, if I think a cake is made with flour, sugar, and... and I don't know, oil or eggs, then you come along and it involves a bicycle, some gasoline, and some tubing. That's not a disagreement. I, I think we all, I think most people who are in comedy know the rules of comedy. And if you, again, you could do anything you want with comedy, but after a while, it's just like it moves away from set up, pay off, move on to just, we're just going to keep saying things because we, we personally find it funny. We're making ourselves laugh, not the audience. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. I, when you say to me, you know, okay, this is how we define a cake. If I come in and I have a bicycle and say it's a cake, we would say that's stupid. You know, we have definitions for things for certain reasons, but there are people out there, and I'm saying I think the whitest kids you know are a group of them, that they will give you a bicycle, say it's a cake, and die on that hill because they think it's funny, and that's what matters. Okay. That's right. what I'm saying, that they have... A fundamental, I don't think it's a misunderstanding because, you know, I think just this day and age, I think it's even more importantly, people just make up definitions for words, basically. Yes. That's just that's just what people do these days. So we can't say that that's really something that, you know, they shouldn't be doing. Sure, our opinion might be they, sh they should know the rules of comedy, but I think to them, they get to make their own rules. That's how they see it. And that's why they made a movie that made like $2 million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they surely did die on that. Trevor Moore died on that hill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's just a hallmark of, of not just the whitest kids you know, but Trevor Moore as a whole is like, you know, I've, uh, we'll get into this more later on, but for some of the research into the, after, the aftermath of whitest kids you know, I was looking into, you know, um, interviews with him, and I actually found a Reddit AMA with Trevor Moore, and he basically is like, Someone asked him, what does your family think about your comedy? And his answer was, they all hate it. And apparently one like Christmas, he went home and he showed his family some song he was working on, which was called like the Pope rap. And he described it as it ruined Christmas for his family. <laughs> so maybe that's just him. That's just his, like everybody his whole life. He's been like, listen, these are my ideas. And people are like, you're stupid. This is not worth our time. He's just gotten to become so aggressively defensive with that, that he, you know, makes his own rules. That's honestly what I think it is. At the expense of his career. Yes, definitely at the expense of his career. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, yeah, Timmy. Yeah, Timmy Talk is the only one I had that episode. Okay, I did. I did want to briefly mention um, the sketch right after Timmy Talk, the banana sketch where Trevor smokes a banana peel. 
solely because we we get Twin Peaks imagery. We get yeah, the, uh, the waiting Peaks. room or the red room or whatever it's and the reverse called. talking. Yeah, yeah, and I always I always love that. You know, when we get to see um, a midget talking backwards, dancing backwards, and this time he's in a uh, a banana costume instead of a red suit. <laughs> yeah, I picked up on that. That's yeah, that yeah. was weird for two for two thousand like what. Eight, nine, ten. That was weird to have a Twin Peaks reference in that time period. Definitely. Oh yeah. Twin Peaks is off the air for like a decade and a half. It's like that's <laughs> that, that's real. That's a really weird thing to have in there. But I guess you know what? Whatever. Another yeah, it thing in the show. <laughs> but yeah, that was it for season four, episode five. All right, moving on to season five, episode three. Oh yes, the season five episodes. Uh, I guess I should say to the audience, for anyone familiar with season five of Whitest Kids You Know, uh, the the second half almost, or the last nine minutes probably, of, of every episode in season five was solely dedicated to the civil war on drugs, which uh, I think Zach described it the best way when we were not recording. It is the Moody's point of Whitest Kids You Know. And so it is not sketch comedy. It's basically a film so we're not discussing that from season five. Unless, of course, Zach watched any of it and wants to talk about it. I can't imagine he did, though. <laughs> I, folks, I was excited when I got to season five because I knew this going in. And I felt so good. It's kind of like a kid like at school and you get to leave like one period early. Yes, that's, that's yeah. exactly how I felt. I'm like, oh, man, you get to like the 14-minute mark. And you're like, boing, done. Third of the episode, gone. Then you get to the next one, third, gone. It was yep. great. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, so no Civil War on Drugs talk. That's not sketch comedy. Um, it's not too bad. I don't have too much against it, but it's just like so different from everything they've done that I've come to enjoy and find intriguing that it's it's not worth diving into. So with the remains of our Season 5 episodes, Season 5, Episode 3, I'm assuming, Zach, you had nothing to say about the Jizzle, the cum rag commercial. No, uh, that was on my list. Oh, okay, so let's start with that. <laughs> The Jizzle, at this time, I would imagine that the Sham Wow was probably just, like, like I don't know, waning in popularity. So sure. they had to get a Sham Wow commercial in there. And I'm not even sure. Is the Sham Wow still a thing? Um, maybe? Like that, that's, like, <laughs> that's, like, 10 years old now. Like, yeah, I remember that's that been was a, like, a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, I was kind of wondering, like, is that still a thing? Because I remember that was, like, back when Billy Mays was still alive. Because he used to got, he got mad at the Sham Wow guy. Mm-hmm, yep. But no, the the jizzle, like Rob already says, the sham sham wow that like mops up your jizz, and you know what? This is one of those sketches that, like, even though it's very raunchy and gross, it 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 does everything it's supposed to for the premise of the joke. It's about a basically a sham wow that's exclusively for that sort of bodily fluid. Yeah, it's a and, solid uh, fake commercial. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's there's not much to talk about it. The entire premise can be explained in one sentence. Yeah, it it does exactly what it's supposed to. It, it it's firing on all cylinders. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's one of our our solid fake commercials. Absolutely. Um, I do like when they they interview the woman or the the confessional for the woman, and it's the second woman where she's like, "I have one for the car, one for the home, one for the boat. I don't leave home without it." <laughs> yeah, it's good. Right on, right on. I dig it. I dig okay. it. Okay. Well, then the next sketch we had, I, I certainly uh, have been. I've been wanting to talk to Zach about this sketch for a while. I'm glad we get to do it on Cinemodities. The John Williams sketch. 
So it's a very common thing for uh, whitest kids you know. I think this is the only situation in the episodes we watched where it comes up. But a, a recurring sketch idea of theirs is they will have one of their members play like a famous musician or a famous artist, and they will kind kind of reimagine their creative process. Like they do one for Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, and basically every Nine Inch Nails album comes around because one of Trent Reznor's ex girlfriends like tries to get back with him and then breaks his heart again. And so they do one for John Williams, and since I wanted to get one of these sketches in here, I figured, well, with Zach being the Star Wars guy, um, how accurate of a depiction of John Williams' creative process is this sketch? You know, does he actually go around, bum, 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 all the time? Do you know? I do not, Rob. Okay, but I, okay. But, I, again, like I said, this is another one of those premises that, again, it was, I think stretched almost to its breaking point, I think, for the most part. They Trevor Moore gives the fake John Williams enough personality. This is one of the, I think, one of the longest sketches in the entirety of the show. This is a very long sketch. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on that. And <laughs> Zach's like, yes, I had the timer going. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is also like, thank God. Because after this was done, I'm like, hey, it's what, one more sketch. And then it's like, okay, we're done before the Civil War. Yeah, all the others are really short in this one because this one's so long. Yep. And no, like I said, I again, it's it's a one note sketch. It's the whole idea that John Williams goes around no matter where he is, all he's doing is kind of a hemming or humming mm-hmm. his his themes, bump, bump, bump. And what he's trying to do is craft the theme to uh, the Star Wars Indiana Jones crossover. Yes. And eventually, he comes up with the great, like, like the perfect composition in the middle of the night. He he tells his wife to remember it. He wakes for up when, the next uh, morning for for when Short Round marries that Ewok. Yes. I do like that line. I've always loved that. When Short Round marries that Ewok. Eureka! I did it. Alice, wake up. I finally did it. The perfect wedding theme for when Short Round marries that Ewok. Remember this. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. And in the next morning, he asks the wife, "What was it?" And she just makes something up. And he gets mad, so he challenges her to like a composition off, and mm. she automatically chooses the bathroom, which makes him angry. And they go in front of the sun, and they both do their compositions. The wife goes first, which makes John Williams throw up. Yep. And then he goes and does his thing, and the son chooses the son just because it made the father makes John Williams throw up. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, John Williams challenges the son and the mother once again to a composition off, and the dog will be judge. Yes. And the son immediately says, "I choose the bathroom." Yep. It's Did funny. you? Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed this. I, I, I love the idea of you know they take a famous musician and and reimagine their creative process. I've always been intrigued by that. You know, whether it be Whitest Kids You Know or anybody else. But yeah, I always thought picking John Williams was very, very interesting. Um, because, you know, when you pick Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, or I think they do one with like um, like Pollock or something, and they, make, and they basically say that he just had a kid who did all his paintings, you know, finger painting type of thing to get all those crazy patterns. Um, but the John Williams one has always been intriguing to me because that's not really one I ever would have... I would have thought of to be like, oh, that's the front man for a band. So we're going to or like a famous artist. So we're going to poke fun at him. You know, it's really he's just the guy behind all the music of these films that we love. And and yeah, he is famous, of course. But I think that he's not the first thing, you know, non-musical people think of when they think of, say, Star Wars or Indiana Jones or Harry Potter or anything like that. Not one bit. Yeah. So I also love that. Um, 
I think we only get to hear it twice, but they, they call the son Sherwin. Sherwin, come here. We need you to judge something. What is it? So the son's so the son's name is Sherwin Williams, which is the paint company. Uh, <laughs> and I, I've always thought that was clever because there's that one line. Yeah, that's funny. Like, she's like Sherwin. You got to judge our competition. And I'm like Sherwin. Sherwin Williams. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. I didn't pick up on that either, but yeah, it's funny now that you mention it. And the other thing I wanted to mention about this sketch, uh, we did not discuss it. Um, when we talked about Mr. Show, but there is a very lengthy sketch of Mr. Show, which is about uh, Bob Odenkirk plays a character named John Philippe, John Baptiste Falouza, who is like the, the the marching band composer for like this royalty or something like that. And he goes around like all the time as John Williams does, just making the noises and stuff. And so it's very, it reminded me of that because we have characters in both sketches just walking around going, bum, 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 dum, 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 bum, bum, dum, dum. <laughs> so yeah, some connections to uh, good old Mr. Show. So I know, Zach, you wanted to <laughs> highlight the ants sketch, right? <laughs> Which one was that? I don't remember that one. So that was the one where um, the, the guy is like looking at his car and there's a big scratch in it. And he's like, he's like, honey, do you know what happened to my car? How to get this big scratch? And she starts shuffling her feet backwards. And she's like, oh, no, the ants are taking me to the mall. Oh, yeah, that one. That is some stupid shit, isn't it? <laughs> like, that's just <laughs> dumb. That is just straight up dumb comedy. And you cannot dress that up any other way like these people just shuffle their feet and slowly walk backwards whenever they're and they say it's ants taking them away whenever they're faced with an issue they don't want to deal with that's just so stupid <laughs> but, but again that's it's it's to me that's a lot better than the the picture with the, the, the woman with testicles that at least neither one is particularly good but i prefer the latter yeah, it because it doesn't get it doesn't get played out as much, you know. Yeah, it doesn't get like destroyed by just the constant like, okay, we're in a new setting and repeating the same line type of thing. Yes. Oh, and that sketch I was talking about at the very beginning, where it's the guy with the erase board. What he's screaming is, "I'm not finished yet! I'm not finished yet!" And he's like drawing okay. a stick figure. That's what he was saying. I finally, I finally oh. found it. Okay, right on, right on. I just want to mention that. And the last sketch from this episode, which I thought this one I thought was genuinely funny, was the kid like the father's like sitting and like on the couch, the two kids come like running up to him. They're like, oh. Dad, Dad, it's bikini day. And he's like, What? And it's like, it's bikini day at the zoo. What the hell does that even mean? It's like <laughs> they're putting bikinis on all the zoo animals. It's like he, like, they hit him like a pamphlet, and I guess the pamphlet has pictures of said animals wearing bikinis. Like, how is this even possible? It's like, can we go, Dad? Well, of course we can go. And that the, he, it's like, Hossack, let me get my shoes. Forget your shoes. I'll buy your shoes at the zoo. We need to see yeah. this now. Yeah, that is that. I love that line in particular. That's great. And and the dad is of course sitting on the couch with a beer bottle in his hand. <laughs> And then, like, we cut to like that. Like, everybody's in the car. The two kids are in the back seat. And then, like, this is this is some pretty great juxtaposition, where he's like, "Well, that it's like." Pretty sure he says that was pretty mean of you to trick your dad into going to an intervention. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. The kids are like chuckling in the background, and then he goes, "Who are all those other people?" And the kids go, "That was the rest of our family." And the dad makes like this like face, like, "Ugh." (laughs) Yeah, it was good. That and then he, good. as he's driving, he takes a swig out of a out of an alcohol bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, I I dug that. That was yeah, that, that, was, one, that, was that one was funny. One. 
Yeah, that one is a good they, where they they set it up and you know it's it's where the the bonker or the the bonkersness the insanity of that sketch you know they're putting bikinis on the animals it actually goes somewhere that's intriguing you know like if you imagine if this sketch was anywhere else on this show like not at the end of an episode and it was any longer they would actually go to the to the zoo there would actually be bikinis on something and it would play out from there type of thing yeah exactly you can you can still be zany but not just like hit your audience over the head with it repeatedly yep yep exactly less is more sometimes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right rob anything else about season five episode three nope uh, i think we can go to our last episode season five episode six uh, what did you have highlighted for this one? First is the driver's ed sketch. Okay, before you go on, uh, did you love it or did you hate it? I enjoyed it. I don't think I hated it, but or I love. I don't think I really didn't like it or dislike it. I just thought it was amusing. Like I like the idea of like somebody at driver's ed and like the woman again. We should mention that for most of the sketches, it's a it's a man in drag is the woman, mm-hmm. and she's like slowly like what ten like what five miles an hour like yeah. Like, Bums into trash or cans. Not even Knoxville going so slow. She's just like kind of like pushing them. Yeah. And pushing them. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And she's like gritting her teeth and like shrugging her shoulders as the instructor's like, breaks. <laughs> breaks. I guess before we get any further into this sketch, Zach, from the moment, this is, this is like RC Glow where it stuck with me, but even more so that I think. I love this sketch. I don't know why, because I've thought a lot about, like, when I was talking about the RC Glow with the editing and, and the rep- repetitiveness of it, something about the performances in this sketch, like the breaks from Darren, and then the the faces made by Trevor, where he's like, has the braces, and he's gritting his teeth, and, and you know, they run into, like, a picnic blanket, and the people <laughs> are just, like, standing there, like, what are you doing, you know? Like, oh my god, just, I love this sketch. And just, and the way the wheel goes directly over the picnic basket, where you can hear, like, the picnic basket, like, crunch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's 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 is it zany? Yes, but it's subtle and it's. I guess I'd say you can almost like break these sketches down from like obnoxious versus not obnoxious. Okay. Okay. And this and most of the ones that I've highlighted are not obnoxious. Sure. Like the zoo bikini is not obnoxious. Yeah. Driver's yeah. Ed isn't obnoxious. Like yes, Alien Encounter is meant to be obnoxious for the most part. <laughs> Bedtime isn't obnoxious, but that that's that's more obnoxious in the actual joke than the presentation of the joke. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. But, uh, isn't there? There's one in between those two, right? There's the trash cans. There's one I forget, and there's the picnic basket. Or the picnic. Yeah, she 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 like runs into like tiny shrubs or 
trees on someone's lawn. Like she drives okay. over a lawn and like it crushes the uh, the plants they have or something like that. All right, that's what it was. I know there's three. Yeah, there's yeah, there's three. Yeah, this this is probably the thing I've taken most from this show. Like whenever I'll be driving with, but well, like I'll be driving with someone else, or like I'll be in the passenger seat with somebody else, and they'll get to like they have to park or something or like turn in somewhere and they're going really slow. I'll be like brakes. And every once in a while, someone will be like, what? Like, why do you want me to break? And I'll be like, just ignore me. It's a reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference to something if I explain to you right now, you would never understand. <laughs> then you go to the grocery store and you pass the RC Cola aisle and you're like, RC Glow. <laughs> then, then you pass the condiment aisle and you see oh, the God. mayo must. <laughs> Mustard mayonnaise. Wait till we get RC mayo must. <laughs> oh my God. Worlds are colliding. The matrix okay. is broken. Yes. I'm glad I'm glad you wanted to highlight the uh, driver's ed one because I absolutely love that sketch. It's something about it just strikes that chord with me. Oh, it's awesome. And the last sketch I have, mm-hmm. and possibly my favorite one of the entire show that I I watched. Okay. The hot daughter sketch. Ah <laughs> This is this is a funny one. I've always liked this one. This is a great premise. I think it all it relates to the idea of having like an attractive family member. Mm-hmm. Where like, but like it's not just like it's so like she's whoever the person is just so overly attractive that can't be denied. And other family members kind of have to contend with the fact being like, well, they're attractive, but how do I ignore this? Or and there are some fantastic setups. And I think one of the best parts about this is that we never get to see really the attractive daughter. I mean, we see her from like the neck down. Yeah, it's always and it's always like from the back or the side. Yes, and you never see her face. Absolutely, and her dialogue is very minimal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, she like she leaves like okay, like she's like okay, I'm leaving, Dad. It's like just fine, just go. <laughs> yes. And, it, and then the father and the son are talking. It's like I don't understand how where she got this from. It's like was mom was mom attractive? <laughs> Not that attractive. Yeah, I love I love that line where the son says, "Was mom ever that hot?" And immediately the dad goes, "God no." <laughs> And then, like, the daughter comes back in. It's like, oh, crap, she's coming back. And she's like, did you... Just look at your breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, did you find... It's like, I'm looking for my, like, uh, cheerleading underwear. Dad, why is my sister so hot? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not crazy, right? Like, she's hot. It's insane how hot she is. Was mom ever that hot? God, no. I feel bad, like I'm up for being attracted to my sister. Oh, I think I'm in a little worse of a position. I mean, did you see her ass? Yes! What was that, a skirt? I don't know, it was like painted on. This house is ridiculous. I hate my kids. Hey. I gotta move her room to the back shed or something, or I don't know, send her on a semester abroad. No, Dad, hot girls only get hotter if you move them to Europe. Son of a bitch! And it doesn't help that she leaves her doors wide open every time she changes. Yesterday I saw her get into a bikini. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo-hoo. I have to go to each one of her swim meets. Oh, Dad, she's coming back. Oh, just quick, look at your breakfast. I'm back. What do you want? I forgot my cheerleading underwear. Oh, God. Well, just get it and Get out, you minx! It's it, oh god, like it's great. Like it's yeah, a it's, it's a, a solid bit. I love it. It's a yeah, solid I, bit. And I do like the ending where it turns out that the whole thing is like a fantasy realization that this dude can't be a father. So he <laughs> walks out of his wife in the delivery room. Yeah. Like the doctor's like, it's a girl, and he goes, yeah, I don't think I could be a father, and just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. 
yeah, this was this was this was a nice cherry on top to this entire thing. It's nice to end something with uh, something that actually genuinely makes you laugh and not just like like grit through your teeth. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. <laughs> well, right on, right on. I definitely wanted to highlight that one. That one's always I've always enjoyed for sure. So good. I'm glad you got it on there. Yep. And that concludes my list, Rob. Anything else from that episode that you want to discuss? Uh no, I think um, I just briefly wanted to mention there's the in the last sketch of this episode, of course, before we get to the civil war on drugs, um, it's where they're they're doing like the the focus group of one person for that TV show of making animals kiss. And I I love the one part where like the two executives are standing outside of the glass and they're watching this dude just slouched on a couch watching the show. And they're like. He seems like he likes it. And they go, well, I don't know. Can you tell? One of the executives knocks on the glass and says, what do you think of the program? And the guy, like, lifts his hand and gives the slightest so-so motion. Like, he just waves his hand a little bit. And the executives see this, and they get very excited. <laughs> and they go, okay, pick it up. Pick it up for a whole season. I, I've always thought that's really funny, that they their green light is one dude going, like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was neat. <laughs> No, but other than that, I think uh, I think that was it. Absolutely, our our Wukuk, our white cuck, our W cuck, those were all offensive, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so before we get into our real questions, of course, we talked about cast, we talked about writers, we talked about style, talked about structure. I think the only other thing I wanted to uh, discuss would then be why did it end, and then of course, you know, what's the legacy of this, which we talked about a little bit. But the why did it end? I actually found. Um, it is is more difficult to find some info on this than than I thought it was going to be for at least how popular I or maybe not popular but how you know known this show was. But um, it turns out that the best information I could find or the most apt information I could find on why this show ended actually came from the Reddit uh, AMA with Trevor Moore that I mentioned prior. Someone asked that exact question, like what happened to Whitest Kids You Know? Why did it end? And so Trevor's response was, and I quote. We were, we were sort of thinking that five seasons was a good run. We didn't want to start repeating premises or become <laughs> more and more derivative of ourselves. <laughs> so we pitched doing the Civil War of Drugs as half of the fifth season to keep it interesting for us. Then, if we were going to do a sixth season, we wanted it to be split between two different films, and I don't think that's really what IFC wanted. So, of course, the sixth season never got a green light. So I definitely wanted to state that because they uh, it's interesting for me to know that they wanted to go more into the narrative structure of a, of a film type of thing, like Civil War on Drugs. They wanted to dive deeper into that and away from sketch comedy. But it's also interesting to me that they were apparently consciously worried about becoming derivative of themselves. And I think they passed that by the point they got a TV show. <laughs> they were a comedy troupe for years before they got a TV show. And that's where most of these sketches come from. Like, you can go back on the extras of their DVD features and watch, like, you know, recorded tapes of old uh, improv stuff they did and things like that and old performances. And it's all sketches that got turned into sketches for this show. So I was kind of baffled to see that they were thinking about not becoming derivative of themselves when that's all they were doing was basically folding in on themselves every single season. I, Interesting. I, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So so crazy. You know, of course, who knows when, you know, the I think what the standard for a Reddit AMA is you need a verified Twitter account. 
and the standard for that, who knows how strict that is these days. So who knows if this was really Trevor or someone else related to him or whitest kids you know, but that's the info I could find as to why it ended. They wanted to move away from sketch comedy, and IFC was like, that's not what we hired you for. So mm, we got our five seasons. Yeah. So, and then I guess for the impact and legacy, as we talked a little bit at the start where, you know, we don't see a lot of this going forward. I think there's some touches of, of where this comedy has uh, landed us today, but I think the people who are greatly influenced by the whitest kids you know are getting doxxed and swatted because people think they're <laughs> racist and homophobic these days. Um, but I did actually want to mention, Zach, I don't know if you saw this in your research, after the whitest kids you know ended in 2011, there were always some stirrings of rumors that they were going to plan a movie. Not that there was any ever any of our uh, notion of what would go into that movie, but it was going to be tentatively called the whitest kids, you know, movie or something like that. Apparently they finished the script in 2017. That's the last bit of information uh -huh. we've gotten about that. So I think there was like a tweet or a Reddit post or a Tumblr post or something where it showed like Zach, Sam and Trevor all in one room. And they had like a, a screenplay up on their computer and it said, like, oh, we finished the script for the Whitest Kids You Know movie. And it got some popularity on Reddit the day it was posted. And that's the last thing we've heard. So maybe, Zach, maybe we'll get a Whitest Kids You Know movie. Maybe we won't ever. Maybe it'll come out the same time we get the Snyder Cut. And what else? Wasn't there something like um, the, the Moody's Point show that doesn't exist? All these things, oh, these no. sketch comedy people oh, want to no. do. Maybe we'll get them all one day. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> It's gonna be a it's gonna be a Moody's Point, Civil War on Drugs, and Snyder Cut Justice League crossover. What do you think? Uh uh. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. So I think with that being said, those last uh, little bits of why it ended and where we might get some more uh, WKUK from, I think we're ready for our real question. Where do you want to start? Let's start with cinemodity. I guess I'm going to go with, I think I've been kind of knowing this ever since even before we started talking about the, uh, the sketch comedy series. I think I've always wanted to say no to this one. Um, yes, we've talked about how I'm really intrigued by, you know, the, the corn and the crap analogy we had where I'm a little more willing to sift through some terrible shit to find things that are really intriguing to me than Zach is, than most people are, I would say. But that doesn't make this odd enough. I'll do that for anything, you know, like the, the, the famous, maybe not famous, but what I've told Zach a bunch of times is I suffered through all eight seasons of Weeds, and that didn't benefit me as a person, but I did it. <laughs> that doesn't make it a cinemodity because it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. So, you know, this just being intriguing, and I think of it, you know, maybe in a different analytical way than I do a lot of sketch comedy, that doesn't make it a cinemodity. So I'm going to go no. What about you, Zach? I'm going to give a no, but a very specific type of no. Oh, I love those. The spreadsheet right. loves those. <laughs> <laughs> Member from Chappelle's show during the N-Word family sketch where the daughter, like the mother's like, oh, Janie, what are you up to tonight? Oh, Janie has a date with that Tommy Emmer boy down the street. And he goes, oh, no, no. Yep, yep. That's the no I want. Oh, okay. So you want like the, like the, the realization of horror no. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I dig that. I dig that. I got to figure out how to typeset that, but I like the challenge. We'll insert another audio clip into the spreadsheet. Oh, okay. oh that's right. That's right. We're doing wave, uh, uh, wavelength files in our spreadsheet now. You can like, you know, see the little waveform of the of the answer. <laughs> and you click it, and you can hear our actual thoughts on whether it gets yes or no. 
<laughs> that's interesting, you know, because I don't know if Zach's ever seen it, but it's a it's it's a pretty common thing. Some people will get um, tattoos on their body of of waveforms so that they can scan it with their phone and it'll play the waveform. And so people will get like, oh, like if you scan this this waveform on my arm, it's gonna play like my child's voice or something. So we should just get like the entire cinemodity <laughs> spreadsheet tattooed <laughs> on our body so people can scan us and be like. That would be great. We don't have to give out cards. We could just be like, just scan my back and listen to a clip from an episode. <laughs> what would be okay? Think, what is the perfect audio clip that you want people to hear from Cinemati? It's like what's like the Ooh. perfect five to ten second bite? Ooh, ooh. I don't know. My brain goes right away to something we said about nine eleven imagery. That'd probably be best, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, or maybe claws. Something about yeah, claws. Yeah, claws. Yeah. That'd be a good, that's a, it's an interesting question, yeah. Like, what, what soundbite could somebody scan off of our bodies and then listen to in front of us or behind us, I guess, from where they're scanning, that would hook them on the show? Interesting, interesting. Or to figure that out. That'll be another uh, question left in the spreadsheet, so when we hit our two-year anniversary, yes. that'll be a thing. That we'll go back to it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> another asterisk. <laughs> All right, late-night movie. Um, so this one, I'm going to go with but definitely, I think for all of the reasons we discussed and for something that I haven't discussed uh, in a while, I think, with late night movies. But, you know, I always like to be able to show stuff to people that's going to get a reaction out of them and then that we get to talk about. And, you know, that's all I want is a reaction. Of course, I don't want an extreme reaction where someone's going to, like, break my TV or anything. But I don't think that would happen with this. I have done it before and I will continue to do it again to show people this and then have them tell me how stupid it is just to see if they can actually defend it. Because, uh, you know, Zach, Zach is, that's why we do this podcast. Zach and I can defend our choices and we can explain ourselves to each other. I would love to take some of my less analytical friends and when they watch this and go, man, it makes me feel stupid, I want to push them late at night and say, does it make you feel stupid or does it make you realize you're stupid? There's a difference. Like, I want to have those discussions, those antagonistic discussions with people late at night, and this is the thing to do it. Because it's, you know, just harmless enough that people be like, oh, yeah, why does kids you know? You know, now you're fucked up. I'll watch that. And then it just becomes, you know, us, like, fighting with each other. Perfect. I will totally accept that as a late night outcome. And that's why this gets a definitely for me for late night movie. All right, folks, you might have gotten our answer as to what, what audio clip do you want. The thing is, <laughs> the audio clip will be that you'll get the sound wave tattooed on your body is if somebody says something that you like is stupid, you ask them, oh, God, how did you phrase that exactly? Uh, so so if, if you show this show to some, if you show something to somebody and they say it made them, it made them think they were stupid, you say, did it make you think you were stupid or make you realize you were stupid? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what's that's what's gonna be on there. Perfect. Somebody, Perfect. We gotta tweak it a little. We're not gonna say it's gonna be not if they think it made not, not if it made them feel stupid. It's gonna be if someone says something you like is stupid, that's what you boil it down to. Sure, sure. Yeah, we have to we have to tweak the ling linguistics of it to make it, you know, an easy uh bite-sized chunk type of thing. But that okay, good. We have a foundation. That's what it's going to be. That's the perfect how to shut somebody down. <laughs> right on. <laughs> what about you for late night? Uh, nah, no. Okay, okay. I was about I, to ask if that I was a, if that I was can, a man like a so so or a no. Okay, <laughs> it's a so so leaning toward a no. Okay, okay. So you're kind of teetering towards that no. Yeah. And pro would you say would you say if you watched one more sketch, it would just teeter all the way to no? 
No, I think it's the idea that like there are some funny bits in here. So it's, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because I would imagine for the most part the the negatives outweigh the positives for me. Okay. But for but for every just obnoxious sketch, like for every like God three to four obnoxious sketches, you get one hot daughter or you get the the jizzle. You get one of those, and it's mm-hmm. worth it. Okay, sure, that's a good way to put it. But not but not it, it's it's in, in the middle, but leaning toward a no. Okay. Okay, I can dig it. So for snacks, besides RC Glow, RC Glow, what else are we adding to the Cinemodis menu? RC Glow, that's for the word processor, the gods to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, RC Glow had to uh, be on there. Um, I think that we should have Pussy Salad because it's not at the on the menu at that restaurant. So we should have it on the menu at our restaurant. What it means, I don't know. Um, but the more specific ones I was thinking about, um, it, one of them relates back to, I think the beginning of the, is it the first episode we discussed season two, episode two, it's the one where they're the couples on a date and the guy has like string in his teeth and he pulls out his organs and then his soul that sketch. I don't think we highlighted that. Yes. It's the, it's the first sketch of season two, episode two, the first episode we discussed where uh, at a dinner date. This, this guy keeps pulling a long string out of his mouth and it pulls out like a kidney and then a heart and then lungs and his brain and then a soul. I want to take that idea of a string with items on it, but I don't want it to be organs. I basically want to make, I think this is the best way to describe what I'm saying. I want to make a loose kebab. So you know how a kebab, you have this, the very rigid wooden skewer and then all the veggies and the meat are like packed onto it. I want that, but I want you to replace the wooden the wooden stick with a string and then spread out the distance between all of the things on the string. So it's going to be like a giant, almost clothesline kebab. That's what I was thinking. Clothesline kebab. Clothesline kebab. That's probably a good way to a good way to put it. And then you know maybe if you're sitting at, at a at a big booth at the table, there'll be like hooks above you. You can hang your your clothesline kebab, and you know you don't have all this food just on the table but i was trying to take that string of organs idea and extend it to something that we could serve to our customers that would just be very large like there'd be a lot of empty space on it and it would just be a string of different foods i don't know how you'd cook a loose <sighs> kebab but you know i think it'd be that's, pretty easy that's for marketing it's, it's, to figure out <laughs> i think it'd be pretty easy you have to make sure i think the real question would be not the cooking it, it's just making sure the string doesn't burn yeah or okay. deteriorate yeah and and sure, yeah, okay, we can work on it, definitely. So yeah, clothesline kebab, absolutely. Um, much like at the end of the Popcorn Factory sketch, when he says that they have to think of four new popcorn flavors, I definitely tried to rack my brain for popcorn flavors, because that's an interesting idea. I've had some terrible popcorn in my life. Like, the, the ones that are just, like, cheese. Like, just straight up that, like, weird... Basically, they just took Cheetos and made popcorn out of it. Like, that's always been really weird to me. I've never really enjoyed that. White cheddar, I'm a little better on. But when we think of new popcorn flavors, like, what what would they be? Because things that we probably thought were weird now exist. You know, there's, like, there's probably barbecue-flavored popcorn, pizza-flavored popcorn, ketchup-flavored popcorn. That probably all exists. Any any sort of, like, powder flavoring you can imagine is probably a thing. Yes, exactly. So when I was trying to like think of new popcorn flavors, it was really like, oh, wow, this is intriguing. The two that I came up with that I really like, well, one I'm still kind of on the fence about, and it's toothpaste, because I think toothpaste is already flavored like something else, so you can't really have toothpaste flavored something. 
I mean, maybe if there's like a like an organic type of toothpaste that doesn't have flavor, that's what it would taste like. So toothpaste, I was thinking of, but it's kind of like, eh. But the other one I thought of was blood. Blood-flavored popcorn. Because <laughs> blood is a very unique flavor, and I'm sure that that can be distilled into something that's edible for humans. And I'm sure that that would be like a big uh, Halloween type of purchase, you know? Like blood-flavored anything, really. Save it for Monstober, buddy. Okay, I, I, fig- I figured you might say something like that, that I was jumping the gun for Monstover. But um, before you get to your snacks, Zach, I was interested, just off off the dome, any popcorn flavors you'd want to see or think of? RC Glow popcorn flavor. RC right? Glow popcorn. It tastes like RC Cola, but it glows. It glows. <laughs> so we should have, like, popcorn glow and RC popcorn? Well, no, what is it? No, it's RC Glow Popcorn. It tastes like RC Cola, but it glows. Okay, popcorn okay. glows. Sure, sure. But should we go even further and in addition to those two things, add RC Popcorn? So it's popcorn-flavored cola. So we have cola-flavored oh, popcorn me. and popcorn-flavored cola. Like, do we want it hmm. to come from both directions? I'm not sure. We have to talk to people RC about this. Yeah, we got that. Now that one is for marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's a, that's a good one. I like that. I like the uh, the RC glow RC glow flavored popcorn. Right on. <laughs> did, didn't you? This, wasn't this a few months ago that you were looking into like glow in the dark food items? Because didn't we find like glow in the dark pudding? And you were like very like you're you're getting mad the fact that someone's like oh just sprinkle this in. You're like that's not possible. Yeah. Then you looked into yes. it and it's some sort of like really weird chemical that you probably shouldn't be eating that they're putting into all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, I don't remember where that came up, but um, I, I've it's been a, a pet peeve of mine for a few years because people don't understand what glow in the dark means. Like people, like people don't understand that things that glow in the dark are things that absorb light energy and then can store them. So when there's no light, it looks like there's light on them. I, I've encountered people in my real life that just think the color green is glow in the dark, and it's like you're stupid. Um, this hasn't come up in a while, so go back to whatever episode I really rant about it to get the full story. I looked into, like, what what do you actually have to do to make something glow in the dark? And I, if I remember correctly, my research was you need a shitload of quinine, like a lot of quinine, which is the the element, the the salt-like element that exists in tonic water. And there is, like, trace amounts in tonic water. You need a lot of it to create the -the glow-in-the-dark aspect. Like, enough that it's going to make you sick type of thing. I'm pretty sure that's what I found, yeah. Because then I do have, like, glow-in-the-dark, like, pudding now. Like, it's, like, I think Jell-O sells, like, or at least that's how they they market it. That is for marketing. And it's, like, oh, glow-in-the-dark pudding. I'm, like, how is this? Like, it's it's powder. I'm, like, it's powder mixed with either, like, milk or water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like how much of this stuff is in a small packet where it actually can glow in the dark? Never mind. Why would you want to consume something like that? I yeah, I 100 percent agree because when when I feel like food items get get uh, glow in the dark versions, you're doing it to appeal to children. Yes. And then why the fuck would you ever want a child eating anything in the dark? That's just going to cause a bigger mess than when they eat in the light. <laughs> so like, what is the point of this? You know? <laughs> they, they get cancer at an early age. Yeah, it's a population control technique. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> the government the government's creating all these weird glow in the dark edible products for children just to sit there kind of weed out the uh it's a weird new form of like Darwinism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, well then, Zach, uh what snacks did you have for our restaurant from the whitest kids you know, other than RC Glow, of course. All right. 
this is item's not a food item though, but it's actually mm-hmm. something for our support staff. It's for the bus boys and the waiters. Something to help them out? Yes. Or or hinder them further. No, no, no. It has <laughs> oh, to help okay. them out a little bit. Yeah, Zach I, and I are continually playing good cop, bad cop with our employees. <laughs> I'm going to give every employee their own jizzle. <laughs> What they do with it is their own business as long as it's clean by the end of the night. So it's just like it's like their um It's like a sham wow, but what they so, do with it in their own spare time is their own business. Okay, okay. So it's not like um they they have to like leave it at the restaurant, they can take it home with them type of thing. It's frowned upon if you take it home with you, but it's oh, okay, not it's okay. not against the rules. So it's not it's not quite swag, but it's like, you know, an item that we provide our employees to help them out. Let me, in their... let me rephrase that. We are going to put the logo on it. So it is a form of swag. Okay, okay, okay. Get behind that. Get the your cinematis own <laughs> Rob, how much would it cost to get our own uh, Sham Wow's the Cinematis logo on it? I don't know. That's actually a good idea from all the weird merchandise we've thought of from like coasters to to stickers. Now we could think of chamois. <laughs> yeah, chamois get... that you can masturbate into. Yeah. <laughs> they have a they have a non-existent restaurant logo on them. <laughs> that's a that's a limited edition item right there. I dig it. <laughs> How many podcasts out there have their own cleanup rags? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I dig that. I dig that. It's funny. But yeah, that's my only snack. Obviously, there's some other low-hanging fruit in there. Like, I'd love to have uh, a petting zoo with animals in bikinis. But I think we have another. We have enough like sideshow attractions to Sam Adi's restaurant. Sure, right and now. didn't and now that when you say it that way, having a petting zoo with bikinis, didn't we really get to that and freaked with the heavy petting zoo? Did oh. we already consider that? I, I don't think we we considered putting bikinis on the animals. But that, <laughs> does that make it any better? Because I think we said no to that back in the freak oh, episode. Oh, yeah, okay. If well, I remember is, correctly. If there is a petting zoo somewhere in the restaurant, we sh- there should be at least a day where we have that. And we'll also host interventions that day, so it's a two-for-one special. Oh, there you go. I, when you when you say that, say it that way, I'm just imagining, like, well, one, for a while, I've been imagining that this restaurant is enormous. Like, this this place is huge. It's like the and, size of, like, an Ikea or a Sam's Club. That's yeah, how I see Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I imagine that, like, you know, uh, someone, like, a family comes in the main entrance, and for some reason, maybe they saw it on the advertisement or something, like, it's a it's a mom, dad, and a kid, and the dad or is, like, says something like, do you have a petting zoo here? And the maitre d' or whoever's at the front desk or whatever has to, like, turn around and scream into the abyss of the restaurant, <laughs> do we have a petting zoo? <laughs> And then you finally hear someone go, maybe? (laughs) And then someone else is like, it's near the animatronics. (laughs) It's near the animatronics wing. Yes. I I love that idea where, you know, it's like even the employees don't have a full grasp of the entire establishment. (laughs) There's certain regions of the Cinemati's restaurant you don't go to after dark either. After a certain time of day, it's like you just don't go near those sections. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's funny. That's good. <laughs> How many square footage is like a Sam's Club? Ooh. That's a good question. It, like it uh, like a two o warehouse type of store. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, though, it's the Sam Adi's restaurant also. Because like, you think about like, a Sam's Club or like a BJ's. They're also two stories. Or like they're like, mm-hmm. God, they're like, mm-hmm. like two, three stories high, like 30 feet tall. Do we? It's a Sam Adi's restaurant, two stories. Oh, I like that. I do like that. That's int- I could get behind multiple levels. Absolutely. That'd be great. Like we can actually have like an entire floor devoted to like one activity. 
Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So apparently the average size of a Costco store is 145,000 square feet. That'll work. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't really have any gauge for how big that truly is, but, oh, I guess in comparison, Sam's Clubs, their average is 136,000. So Costco's oh, are, what wins? are bigger than Sam's Club. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I have no, no way to spatially relate that quantity <laughs> to anything in my life. <laughs> it, it's more or less an incomprehensible amount of square footage. Exactly. Yes. That it, it's so big that our employees will need to scream across the restaurant to get information from each other. Yeah. No walking. In the cinema, what, what we have is like a relay system of strings and paper cuffs. <laughs> okay, I did and that. And there, and then the kids. I think I forget what episode it was. We had a bunch of kids that go around calling people <laughs> the thirteen-year-olds. Oh yeah, I forget. they go around and they periodically cut the strings, and they're going from like booth to booth. <laughs> it's a very flawed system. Just as a lot of our events in the cinema restaurant are. <laughs> I'm trying to think what. What episode was it that we brought that up? Yeah, we had. When, yeah, when did we have kids making fun of adults? You're oh, it was the two, right. two thousand two commercials because we had the kid with the, with the little like like not like off brand like learning Game Boy. Oh yeah, and they, and they, and they were using two thousand two's like like level slang and like crude language. That's right. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, <laughs> that's what it was. I'm trying to think like why why would that come as a conversation thing? And I'm like, oh, that's what it would be for. <laughs> All right. If, if we're gonna have like, like an entire like floor of the Cinemondi's restaurant devoted to an activity, I already have some ideas in mind. Perfect. Perfect. Good. We're gonna need to develop that with activities. Yeah. And that might be that might be good to have uh, some separation between the the people that only want to eat and the people that want to be bothered while they eat. <laughs> oh, I don't think there's any choice. It's always. No, we give them the illusion of choice. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like smoking and non-smoking. And eventually, like, the smoke just waves over to the yes. non-smoking section. Yes, exactly. It doesn't matter what the choice is. Maybe we can just placate them for a little bit, giving them the illusion that they had their choice. What would happen if you went to a restaurant in 2019? They asked, like, oh, how many? And you say two, non-smoking. What do you think the reaction would be? <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's funny. That's a good idea. I, I'm tempted to do that now. I want to do it at, like fast food places like go to mcdonald's and be like it'd be like i have a reservation for two in the smoking section please and they're just like dude i do not get paid enough to deal with this there's kiosks where you can order now you son of a bitch <laughs> but like i think the best form of that would be like go to like like oh god like what's the most basic chain restaurant there is well like an ihop or something no it has to be a little more a, little, a tad more like ihop is like uh, Oh, where the so you want it? You're saying you want to go somewhere the employees are going to care. Well, I want to. Well, yes and no. Okay. But, <laughs> they need the like, right balance of apathy. <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm trying to think. Like, like, okay, I guess the best example would be like a Chili's. Like kind of like that, and you mm. get like a mm. like, and not like a Major D because like that's that's way too fancy for this. Sure. Like, you get you go to like a Chili's and you have like the 16 year old like girl there. She's like, "Hi, welcome to Chili's. How many?" And you'd be like, three, non-smoking, please." And she's not gonna have. Any, I can think about it. Smoking, non-smoking was phased out long after she was oh. born. Yep, yep. She's not gonna have any concept of what that is. So, like, what's her reaction? Is she gonna be just like stare for a second until she realizes, like, oh, my training didn't mention this, so I don't feel bad if I ignore it? Or will she actually <laughs> inquire and be like, "Sir, there's no smoking in the restaurant." And then you'd well, be like, "I said non-smoking. So <laughs> put me anywhere in the restaurant." Then, like, why are you wasting my time? And then leave. <laughs> <laughs> now that 
folks, is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, this, that's that's an interesting like social experiment. You know, just go to the different restaurants. Yeah, like, and, and too f- put me in the non-smoking, please. That's really interesting. <laughs> you do that, and hear someone like in the back at the bar be like, "What year is it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really that's really intriguing. Yep. I'm trying Remind, to didn't we didn't we talk about like the cinemodities on the street? Not too long ago, we could add that to the uh, the viral video where we, oh, instead of just yes. yelling at people on the street, we're also going into restaurants and asking <laughs> them for the non-smoking section. We are bringing back, you know what the cinema, cinema ah, you know what the cinema these restaurants going to do? We're going to bring back the smoking section. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. We're going to get a very specific license from whatever state we're operating out of at this point, and we're going to be a we're going to be the only eatery. At the very least in that particular state, possibly the entire country, that lets you smoke in the restaurant. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I would love to he- like read Yelp reviews and stuff and be like, it's the only restaurant where I can eat and smoke at. I guess it makes it okay for all the annoying noises and Nelson De La Rosa <laughs> punching me in the dick. <laughs> in the box, Lexi animatronic that yeah. says, are you retarded? <laughs> Sometimes you get that look where your eyes just glaze over and like the world is world is happening to you. <laughs> oh man, folks, the Cinemati's restaurant. We've we've increased our I guess one thing you gotta give the wise kids you know episodes. It's it's increased our square footage. It's opened up our our yeah, yeah. map even further. Perfect, perfect. I, and I the real it. question is, is that is it like is the Sin E Monty's restaurant still included with that, or is it even its own separate partition now? Ooh, that's a good question. Is the car wash still its own separate thing? No, is that just like yeah, the, the basement. <laughs> no, the car wash. We don't even own that. We rent it out. Every yeah, okay, Monday. that's right. Yeah, and so it's we, not it, our we car wash. To, we have to transfer things from the restaurant to the car wash back and forth. Yes, absolutely. Okay, it, but yeah, that's tell, interesting. We have to tell our employees though they cannot put their jizzles. In the the basket for going through the car wash because the owner of the car wash is getting mad because we're clogging up the drains every month. Yes, yes. <laughs> we I don't know it. why they're only used to mop up tables, but for some reason that's yep. their intended purpose. <laughs> it can't be our employees' jizz because we clearly told them not to jizz in these jizzles. That's what it says on the thing. It says Cinemati's <laughs> restaurant do not jizz in these jizzles. Cinemati's jizzle not for jizzing. <laughs> That's great. That's a great idea, Zach. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's for for promotional use only. Yes, yes. For that's what we have written for promotional use only. <laughs> that's great. Oh man. Yeah. Any anybody in the audience, if you know how to make uh, shammies and sham wows that material, let us know where we can get the uh, the production line. I think what we can start with a run of a good five thousand. Oh, I was gonna say ten. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Let's just save all the money we can up front. We know we'll be able to turn these over. No problem. Exactly. <laughs> Shark Tank's gonna love us. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine we go to Shark Tank with the idea we have a uh, jizz rack. <laughs> Do you, have you sold any? No, but we plan to sell them through our restaurant. How much have you sold at the restaurant? That's also not open. <laughs> and it's like, and you're asking for $10 million? <laughs> and for only 3% of the business? 
you and I are going to be up there like, it's a steal. Come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> I wonder if there ever is an episode of Shark Tank where it's all like farcical premises, premises. And it's like you go up there and like pitch the sharks your idea. And we have this entire elaborate, like we give them the cinematic spreadsheet, but it's like a copy of Jodorowsky's Dune where it's like a giant, just like a tome. It's just, just illustrations like, and stuff. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we had to them, like we each one of them gets a giant copy. Mark Cuban starts like doing blow off his. He doesn't even open it. <laughs> it's great. Lori Grenier is like, I don't know what this is. What is this object? And we're like, a book? And she goes, oh, and she like throws it at the ground because she can't touch it or anything. She picks it up, puts it on the floor, tries to like bounce herself on it. She's like, this is a horrible like exercise you like equipment. <laughs> Lori, this is a book. You're supposed to read it, not balance yourself on it. And she's like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to sell this on QVC. How do I demonstrate reading? How do I do such a thing? Bethany Frankel's like, hey, Mark, can I have some of that Coke? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, Robert's, awesome. just, Robert's just there, like, reading every single page of it, just, like, trying to furiously reading through it. And he's like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. Then <laughs> 10 seconds later, it's like, guys, I'm out. Oh God! That I I would love to do like you know like an episode. I wish there was like a parody episode of Shark Tank. As far as I know, they only did that something like that once. They had Jimmy Kimmel come on, and he pitched idea. He pitched an idea of a giant traffic cone that will you can put over your child. Like that was his <laughs> joke pitch. But it literally like he he pitched it, and then the sharks were like, okay, like the producers told us this was a joke, so you can leave now. And, like, they didn't have any comments for it. Like, none of them. Like, basically, Jimmy Kimmel comes out, he pitches this thing, and then they go, that was funny, and he leaves. And that's, like, the end of the episode. So we, could, we could build this up. We could punch up the Shark Tank uh, parody series. <laughs> and, and Mark Cuban's in the corner after the whole traffic cone bit. And he's like, like, Donnell Rawlings and uh, the Mad Real were like, can you, do, can you snort coke off of it? <laughs> yeah. Where's my a cognac? Let me rephrase that. Mark Cuban allegedly says, can I snort coke off of it? Alleged, yes, allegedly. <laughs> we can't have our benefactor suing us for slander <laughs> and defamation. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> All right, Rob. So how are we going to end this episode? Well, I think uh, for Sketch Comedy Fort Month, we like to uh, talk about what we're going to discuss next week. And guess what, audience? I don't think we know what we're discussing next week. Is is that accurate, Zach? We're still confused. Well, well about... <laughs> we, we okay. Next week we're doing Key and Peel, but we might okay. have a bonus episode, a special bonus. bonus. That's right. I forgot about the bonus. Yes, the next time you hear us, maybe a special bonus about possibly a special bonus thing <laughs> about a special birthday bonus. Yeah, yeah. It'll it'll definitely be birthday related, but I think that's all we know so far. <laughs> yes. All right. And then after that, as Zach said, next uh, next week, we'll get back to our sketch comedy fort month. We're getting near the end. I'm a little I upset by light. that. I can Zach's see the light excited. at the end of the tunnel. And we are discussing Key and Peel, So we'll finally get to that one. And I think, you know, um, of course, as we've been doing with our sketch comedy series, we have our intros for our shows. So let's play some Whitest Kids You Know theme song in reverse. Can we have some the uh, now you effed up thrown in? Oh God. oh God! I have a feeling you're going to put it in regardless of what I do, Zach. <laughs> Stop! Don't break my butt! Don't break maybe, my butt! Maybe if I listen to it, like we talked about in Wonder Shows, and backwards makes wrongs go right. So maybe if I listen to the "Now You Fucked Up" clip in reverse two thousand times, it will undo the trauma that it's put into my head from years past. Okay, we end. Okay.
Ethiopian! 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 And Ethiopian! 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 Ethiopian!